1999 Bosman free transfer signing, less than a year after dumping town out of the FA Cup with one of the most bizarre goals of modern tournament history. Tonight's guest went on to achieve cult status at Swindon Town Football Club between 1999 and 2002. This gentleman recently said to me he never truly understood the special bond he developed with Swindon Town fans, a bond that that ensures to this day. Now, Derby Day goals, that infectious grin, 110% commitment given to that red shirt every time he pulled it on, probably goes some way to explaining the bond. That and the fact that the guy is a bona fide top bloke on and off the pitch. Well, esteemed listeners, tonight I give you Giuliano Stefano Luigi Grazioli. Graz, good evening. How are you? Good evening, all. Thank you for this uh, great intro. Oh, you're very welcome, buddy. You're very welcome. It, it feels like we don't hear enough of you around Swindon, mate. We don't, like, you know, we, we had you and I had this conversation offline like a couple of days ago. Like, what, why um, is that, Grats? Why don't we hear so much of you these days? I'm quite surprised because I married a Swindon girl, so I do frequent Swindon quite often, and all, all the in laws are. are <laughs> you like the Scarlet Pimpernel? Yeah. <laughs> all the uh, all, all the family are all Swindon fans, so and that, and that includes my kids, even though they've been raised in London. Um, we've not forgotten where the roots ah, are. Well, so, um, yeah. Well, that's good to hear, mate. That's good to hear. Well, listen, you've got some, you've got some old friends and some new ones that you're going to make tonight, mate. As well as obviously, you've got an adoring audience all listening in with you. Um, so I'll introduce you to the to the panel tonight, Gratz. Uh, reacquainting you with an old an old friend of yours, Nick Judd. Nick, Gratz, Gratz, Nick. Hello, Mark. Hello, Gratz. How are you doing, mate? How are you, Nick? You well? I'm very well, mate. How are you? Good, good, good to hear from you. Good to hear your voice again. Been a while. Mate, nice nice to hear from you, mate. Yeah, it's been too long, hey? Yeah, very much so. Very much so. And, and for those re- those of you that aren't regular listeners, just to put you in the picture, Nick was the club admin, as we call him these days. We didn't call him that back in the day. But um, Nick was the club admin um, when Gratz was um, knocking the goals in at SM1. Um Hence the reason why there's a relationship between these two gentlemen. But it's been a while since you've last spoken, I understand, boys. Yeah, we had we had a chat. Um, I think we've spoken a couple of times. I've, I've interviewed you since for something. I can't remember what. It might have been for a Swindon program or something. But we've had a couple of chats since, um, right. and we were yeah. catching up on where you were these days and everything else. But it's, it has been a couple of years. Yeah, it's too long, too long, Nick. Far too long. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I'll step back off stage with Red Book in me and Gratz, and I'll introduce you to the next <laughs> member of my panel, Chris. This is Gratz. Gratz. This is Chris. Evening, Gratz. Evening, Chris. How, how are you doing? I'm very well. I'm, I'm a bit weary about this this podcast, from brutally honest. I'm not sure what's going to come up. <laughs> uh, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Uh, <laughs> don't you don't you worry about that. It's, it's the other ones you want to worry about, Gratz. It's not us, mate. But, oh, okay. Um, now, Gratz, Chris is of a similar generation to me. We're, we're sort of like mid-40s, so that'll give you an idea of how old we were when you were knocking the goals in. Um, right. So, and, and sort of like almost like a midway point, I would say, is our next guest. Nathan, meet Gratz. Gratz, meet Nathan. Uh, Gratz, we have actually met before, um, but I was an 11-year-old starstruck ball boy um, <laughs> who absolutely worshipped the ground you worked on. And uh, I have to say, I'm, I'm going to be a bit, of a, a bit of a sycophant here, but Gratz, you were probably one of the nicest players I've ever had the experience of dealing with when I was a, oh, a young lad of the ball boy. So uh, thanks for that, mate. Big fan. <laughs> Thanks for the kind words. That's really nice to hear. Thank you. It's lovely to hear, Nathan, because Johnny was telling me that Gratz is a bit of a twat. 
<laughs> Funny that a lot of the managers thought the same thing as well. I, must have been I just want to throw a counterbalance in there, Chris. It's far too nice. Yeah, it's so far too nice. Right. Well, look, mate, the, uh, the, the format of the night, as I've explained to you off here, is really quite straightforward. We have basically cast the net out into the Swindon Town fan base and said, look, let's, we want to really get under the hood as to how young Giuliano Grazioli's head works. Uh, and in doing so, we've got a whole raft of interesting questions that have been submitted by the great and good of uh, the um, SM1 Twitter sphere. So um, I hope you're ready, mate. Let's go. Let's go. All right, then. Well, we'll get, we'll get the ball rolling. Well, uh, well to get you, get you rolling, we've got young Nathan. So, Nathan, do you want to get the ball rolling with the first question? Sure. Um, so this is a bit of a strange one. I hope you've, uh, you're, you're prepared. <laughs> right. If you were on death row... One, what would your last meal be? Two, who would that meal be with? And three, what would you have done to get on death row? Oh, Jesus, what a start. Um, <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. So my, my final meal, I do love a Sunday roast. Do love Great a Sunday meal. Well, um, what's, your, what's your choice of meat, Grant? Oh, good, again, I, I do like my roast lamb. Why did I know you were going to say lamb? It's a very very handsome meat to go with a very handsome striker. (laughs) (laughs) Again, too nice. This is too nice. Um, Yeah, but I'll I'll have a Sunday roast with a nice glass of wine. Um, Just to prolong. Red or white? Oh, Jesus. Mm. Again, I'm I'm being Italian that I am. Um, My village do a chilled red. Which sounds quite weird. It's the frizzantes. It's like a fizzy red, and you might think that sounds a bit strange, but it's a wonderful summer drink and and very very nice. So if I get any, and I'll come down to swim, then I'll drop a few bottles off for you guys. Ah, that's that's You're just trying to butter us up, mate. I am. I am. That's right. Oh no. Um, So yeah, I'll have a Sunday roast. And what the other two questions? Why would I be in? Death row. Uh, yeah, why would you be there and who would you have the last meal with? I guess you're allowed to have a guest on death row in this question for some reason. Um, as my wife will probably listen to this podcast after, I'd have to say my wife. Um, <laughs> I would never hear the end of it. Um, and I'd be in there, obviously, with my Italian roots, something linked to the mafia, I'd say. Um, great so- answer. Yeah, a little, little bit of yeah, organised crime there. Nothing wrong. With yeah, a bit of I'd say crime. that. Yeah, I'd say that. And and the mafia only got you know got to people that did wrong, so it won't be all bad. I'll be I'll be helping someone out in some way. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got your last meal will be a roast with a nice chilled uh, red. Um, yeah. you're going to be having that with uh, some member of the mafioso. Um, <laughs> And yeah, so did we answer the question? What do you think you would have done wrong to get there? They organised being part of an organised crime, oh, being part of being the mafia. Part of it. Being part of it, yeah. Ah, all right, nice. Well, I think we right. Well, there you are, ladies and gentlemen. I'm scared enough that I think we need to end the show. Uh, Handley <laughs> yeah. doesn't know where I live and doesn't yeah. know what I drive. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, move us on quickly. I shall move us on. Grats, we've got a car-related question for you. So this comes from Mark via WhatsApp. What's, describe your first ever car and what car you drive now. My first ever car, and again, you know, you must take into consideration my family are very Italian. So Fiat was 
think uh, Uno it was was my first car. It was 900 cc. I think there's hair dryers that had, had more more power than that car. Um, I put alloys on it. I put a double exhaust on it, and it was 900 cc. I thought I was the dogs. Anything over anything over 50 mile an hour, the thing used to shake. Um, <laughs> but I loved it. It was my first car. My dad was happy because it was a Fiat. Um, so kept it Italian. So he loved that. And, and at the moment, I drive uh, BMW X6. Oh, nice. That's very nice, Grats. Grats, you clearly yeah. either invested your money well or you're earning too much. No, I've got three kids. Is there anything that can fit three kids in? <laughs> <laughs> what's um, what's your best adventure that you had in that fear, Grats? Because I've got oh, a very, I have a very good, a very very good friend of mine, Italian chap, lives in a little village called Arcore. You may know it outside of Milan, and yeah. um, a similar car to you. And he told me a similar story, and he had some epic adventures. He said it went forever. Did you, did you ever have an epic adventure in that motor? Um, uh, my dad was an engineer, and, and this is back in the day before mobiles were around. My my one adventure that I'll never forget, I was playing at Nonley Wembley at the time, and it must have been a quarter past ten at night, half past ten at night, and I'd broken down. The, cl- the clutch had gone in my car. So back then, no mobiles. So I, I walked to the nearest petrol station, called my dad. He drove out to find me, um, and the only thing I had in my boot was – old-fashioned headlight if you remember that you could just add on to the car yeah and he fixed my fixed my clutch with the materials from the headlights oh, and it, it got me home i've never forgotten that um and to this day i don't know how he's done it and that's he, he loves it when i mention it but yeah with all the materials the screws all what he done he fixed my clutch just with that it's unbelievable that's amazing that's, oh. and, that is unbelievable. It's not like it's like you're talking a clutch. That is proper, like is it? integral. That's, that's uh, not it, like he's fixed um, your cigarette lighter, is it? No. Uh, and the thing is, he's so disappointed in me because I've taken none of his traits with me. None of his genes I've got. I'm useless with anything in the house or cars. And he looks at me in disgust when I'm doing something DIY because he's desperate to take over so and finish the kids, job properly. One of your kids calls you up then. And they're in they're in a car and it's broken down. They call yeah. dad. What's dad doing then? What are you doing? Sorry, not speak English. I, <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> yeah, they know already. My kids know not to ring daddy for that sort of stuff. Oh, Mummy's better. Mummy's better. Yeah, mummy's better. <laughs> right, Chris. What have we got next? Right, Grouch. Um, what's the best prank you've ever pulled on a teammate? Oh, that's prank. God, there's been so many that I probably can't mention half of them on here. Um, it's a prank that I can tell you a prank that went wrong. I used to, I used to hide like players, like we just share um, trips to training grounds and stuff. So before you got into your car, you used to always take your, your boots off, put your trainers on. And I used to hide the teammates' boots and etc. you know, before they get in the car. And I put my mobile on top of the roof of the car, forgetting totally about it, got back in, drove off, went to make a call, and obviously don't know where my phone is. Mm. Um, so the prank, the prank um, backfired on me. Luckily, with Find My iPhone, it was back four miles back on the dual carriageway, and it was still there. So mm-hmm. that was a prank that went wrong. But something that we've done, I wasn't really the prankster in, in the change rooms, I'm brutally honest. There were some real big characters in that spin. Alan Reeves was a, a big prankster. You used to do lots of different bits and pieces. What, what's, uh, your best, what's your best Reevesy story? 
Again, I can't. I still speak to Reeves. I can't even mention half of them. Oh, um, really? Yeah, he's a great. You know what? When I first joined Swindon, he was the one who took me under his wing, which at first I thought was really nice. Um, but yeah, he's he's a great character. Great, great character, and I'm I'm close still even now. We still speak quite often. Um, he looked after me in those championship years, uh, away trips. Um, pre-season camps that we went on our room with Reezy and that was, that, was, that was a story and a half sharing a room with Reezy who, who spoke in his sleep who got up and walked around the room slept walked as well um, <laughs> opening the wardrobes and thinking it's the urinal so we had lots of that going on Reezy was a fascinating player wasn't he Gratz because he, he went through a period he, he sort of arrived when he first arrived at the club yeah, there was a sort of a, a, an appreciation that this was just like a big sort of jobbing centre back but then he became a bit of a whipping boy. As as I mean, we do like a whipping boy at Swindon, and poor old Reeves, he was on the receiving end of that. But then he he really kind of gritted his teeth and fought through that and came out with utter cult status at the end. Did you did you see much of that journey inside the dressing room? Is that uh, something it, that you it, ever felt? Bothered? Yeah, it's, it's what we still we speak about now to this day. He was the one player that every preseason would get called into manager's office and get told, "You're not going to pay this year. You're not in my plans," and end up playing forty games. <laughs> it was, it was, it was every, and it was a laughing joke. Every manager come in, you get pulled in. Sorry, Reezy, your legs are gone. You know, you're getting old now. If I were you, I'd look elsewhere. And he'd stay, he'd work hard. He trained always well, Reezy. He, he, that's one thing he did. And he ended up playing lots of football. And he was great to have around. He was great in the change room, Reezy. Mm. Really good character. Maybe that's the, the, the you know, the, the crazy dons, etc. the old Wimbledon days. But he was, he was brilliant in gelling teammates together, camaraderie. But he played, he, he led that back four a lot and he played a lot of football, especially the three years I was there, he played a lot. And as I said, he got told every year that he wouldn't play. Yeah, yeah. He was, a, like I said, I mean, it was a, it was a, I mean, we've had just had this season, Dion Conroy's been on a very similar journey at Swindon mm. where, you know, he started the season well and then just became an utter whipping boy. His form deserted him. And then at the end of the season, he was one of the one of the players of the season in the final sort of ten or so games. But I've often I've often wondered like what the story looks like when it unfolds behind the scenes. You know whether yeah. you know that your teammates have to rally around them or whether it is just something they just cope with, they just deal with and know they're going to get through it. You know, class is permanent and all that. Right, and, and that was really his character. He was, you know, people would probably thought there's some players that will you know toss it off and not train hard. He trained hard. He was never late. Always early. Trained hard, um, great to have around. Um, and there's some players who, who can be a handful when they're not playing or not involved. And he was never like that. And that's why I think that you had to play him. He deserved it. He, and like I said, 40 games a season every year when I was there, he played. Yeah. And and, and played into a ripe old age as well, didn't he? So he did. um, yeah, he did. a lot about he did. his professionalism. But look, before yeah. I ask you the next question, Gratz, I'll just remind you, we are after the watershed and we're talking about pranks. But what was the best prank ever played on you? Again, there was not really much played on me. I was in the change rooms. I I mixed with both ends. So the ones who did the pranks and the ones who did pranks on. So I, I sort of stayed away from it. I'd never really... Obviously, you got your shoes missing and your, you know, your socks cut, certain excrements in your shoes every so often. <laughs> um, the, 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 the usual stuff. Depends what sort of characters you had in the team. And you, and you, you knew which ones to stay away from. You know, you really knew not to, you know, if you you hid your car keys as well, because the pranks at the time where people knit your car keys and move your car. Um, so you you knew what to bring into the change rooms and not. The, the 
big thing you have to be careful of is in the showers, you know, people will getting close to you and just urinating on you without oh, you knowing because you've not seen in the shower. Someone else. I've yeah. got a feeling this might be something to do with a certain Mr. Matthew Haywood. Would I be right? Seriously, that was, you know, even now I shower to the back, to the, with my back to the shower, just so you can see it. <laughs> Because oh, that was the common, so common. And you think, especially the youngsters, you'd come into the team, didn't have a clue. Did not have a clue what was going on. Um, but yeah, that's that's the sort of stuff that went on when I was when I was playing. Oh. But you're, 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 are you going to remain non-committal on who was the culprit? It's the usual suspects. You know, I don't know if you remember like Lee Collins, Taz, little Taz, you remember him? He, <laughs> I he, remember he, he, Lee he, Collins. He could be a little sod, leechy, people like that, you know, like real characters, like good, good people. Well, like, when I when I joined, we had proper sort of men in that team, um, proper pros who'd been in like people like leechy, strong hard boys, men, and you know, you listen, George and Dar, Ifianora, you know, Mark Walters, what a player he was, Wally, mm. he was amazing. He's one of the best I've ever seen on a football pitch, and he was about forty-five then. Um, <laughs> and he, he was amazing but you know big characters we had big big characters in that team I think that's yeah, something that's that's that, that we've missed that the last couple of years I think that's football in general I don't think you get those sort of players no more no. you know as, as a player if you didn't do right in the change rooms you got told the manager never really told you it was that your own teammates told you you know you see fights in change rooms you get people pinned up against the wall you know you're not allowed to do that no more you can't well, also, like those sorts of players, though, they're, they're a reflection of the, the managers as well. Because you've played under some proper characters as managers as well, don't you? So, um, I think sometimes those sorts of players do reflect the manager as well. Oh, listen, when you've played under Barry Fry, then you know nothing phases you. <laughs> I've got. To, I'm actually going to rein you in a bit here, Gratz, because I've got to get you to keep your powder dry. Because some of these characters you're mentioning, we're going to come back to, and some. So oh, let's, let's, let's just let's just rein it in a little bit. Um, yeah. Nathan, what we got next? All right, next question is, let me find it. What would be the hardest thing to give up? Oh, you know, I lost my phone on the golf course last week and you've never seen so much panic in my life. I didn't know what to do. I was in bits. I got the green. I got about five green keepers driving down the fairways in their buggies, looking for it for me. I was in the right pickle. I didn't know what to do. Seriously, I don't know any of my family's phone numbers off by heart. Um, so I don't think I could give up my phone. I really don't. I would. That really, that really shocked me. How desperate I needed my phone. You're, think you're I'm with you there. That doesn't surprise me at all, Grats. To be fair, mate, they literally are. It's like a brain in your hand, isn't it? It really is. Oh. You know, the stuff I've got on my phone, oh, you don't want to know. You don't want to know. Um, <laughs> well, we do. But yeah, but, luck- luckily, water, <laughs> I, I, but luckily, I could see the green keeper driving towards me, waving something, and uh, I was so elated. I gave him a ten. I gave him a tenner just as a thank you. He couldn't believe it. He was only like 17, 18. Um, <laughs> I felt about tight. £10 was quite light, actually. I should have given more because I needed that phone desperately. But yeah, I, I, I was... I can. Things like food, I'll do Lent every year, being a you know proper Catholic boy that I am. Um, so I do, I do Lent. So I give up chocolate, crisp, cheese, and that sort of stuff quite easily. I can do it through Lent. But giving up my phone, no. No, no, no. Can't do it. 
your phone it is. All right, you yeah. are then. Uh, yeah. I, I believe, Nick, you're up next. Yeah, I am just scanning down these questions here. Look, so um, here's one for you then. What's the um, the worst pronunciation of your name that you've ever heard? That's from Mike Dixon. <laughs> i tell you what, I used to dread. You know when you used to go to away grounds and just name the team over the tannoy? <laughs> yeah. During the warm-up, I used to dread it. It's a bit like in school when they used to do the register and the teacher would pause and you go, yep, yeah, that's me coming up now. I just knew it was my name because they couldn't read it. Yeah. Um, and it was a bit like that. And all the teammates knew as well. They'd sort of wait for the pronunciation. Uh, and I remember once we played Rochdale away. So we had, a, we had a goalie called Ross Flitney and it was like, number one, Ross Flitney. And I thought, <laughs> if he can't say Ross Flitney right, I've got no chance. So it comes to, and then it was like number nine, Giliano Grizzlyoli. <laughs> and I thought, yeah. and that was it. Then I don't, straight away, the home fans rushed out all over you, you know. And I, I wasn't even playing that day. I was thinking I was on the bench. So you're getting loads of stick, especially with your name on your back as well. That doesn't help. Back in the day when it was only just numbers, it was okay. When you got your actual name on the back, and it, you just you're the stare for the taking, especially with a name like mine. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this season we've had, uh, as you all know, we've got Ellis I. Andalo, and there have been some very, very colourful pronunciations of Ellis's name. Yeah. What's, what's been your favourite, Nick? Nick, what's been your favourite Ellis Ellis name this year? Uh, well, I, I, I struggle with it, to be fair, but um, I think we've had a Landolo. Landolo. <laughs> the good one was Ian, yeah, Ian Dolo, was, that was where they completely <laughs> forgot his first name, just called him Ian Dolo. That was a good one. That's yeah. a good name, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> so we say, what what ground was that then, Gratz? That was Rochdale. That was Rochdale. And what, yeah. did, we, what did we settle on? It was Ju- Julie Giliano, 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 Brazilioli, Giliano. Yeah, the announcer was Welsh, was he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Now, Chris has got the next question, Gratz, um, and he's been, he was nagging me rotten to ask, uh, to, allow, to uh, let me get you to open this box of tricks. So, go on, Chris. This is a juicy one. So, dumping us out of the FA Cup with Stevenage was fun. Talk us through it. Um, it's, all, it's really weird. I've always had an affiliation with Swindon. I actually made my, deb- my professional debut on my 21st birthday. At the county ground, um, when I was at Peterborough, um, so I always had the affiliation, and obviously we, we we got you in the cup when I was at Stevenage. But I remember the day was the weather was treacherous, wasn't it? I think torrential rain. The wind was. I remember it was. I think it was Fraser in goal, wasn't it? Was it Fraser Dick being goal? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a grim day, wasn't it? It was, and I remember he could he couldn't kick out the penalty area. You know, it kept flying back into the area. But I think I think Mark Walters scored early on that day with an absolute. Sh- Screamer from about thirty yards, wind assisted. I'd say I told him when I met him, um, and then we just we, we just I think we just grew to the conditions better than what Swindon sounded on that day. But the goal itself, I mean, Fraser kicked up in the end. It it, it it was like a boomerang come back to the edge of the box, and I think it bounced around a bit. And I just stuck a toe at it, um, but I'm so embarrassed with my goal celebration. I was going to do a knee slide and bottled it right at the end, and it just looks so bad, so bad. <laughs> Um, and, that's, and, and the thing is, that's what they show sometimes on like the BBC FA Cup goals, and they show it. And I hope they cut it off before the celebration. Um, but yeah, the, but the weather was was tre- treacherous. It was terrible, 
really, really bad day, I remember. But obviously, fantastic day for us at Stevenage at the time. Do you do you think that your performance that day, Gratz, had anything to do with you signing for Swindon in the end, or was there was there ever an influence in part of your part of your journey? No, no, no I signed for Swindon because Jimmy Quinn. Jimmy Quinn was my strike partner at Peterborough, <clears throat> so um, meaning paid up front for Peterborough. And I, I remember one Saturday, I think we played away at Hartlepool, and as I got on the coach, Jimmy said to me, "Your contract's up in the summer, isn't it?" I said, "Yeah." He went, "Don't sign it." I went, "Why? Just don't sign it." promised me don't sign your contract and I thought that's a bit weird what did he say that for and then on the Monday he wasn't in training and then got announced as a new school and town manager and then your mind starts overthinking it um, mm. and and that's how I, how I come to Swindon I got the, I got the call from Jimmy to say I'm going to come and get you in the summer don't sign what they put in front of you um, so I was always coming from from sort of February March onwards I knew I was signing for Swindon that summer Oh, which, which was great, and it, and it was it was championship football at the time as well. Um, and I uh, Barry Fry offered me three year deal, went to a four year deal, went to a five year deal to stay <laughs> because I was I was on a Bosman. Um, and, but I had the knowledge that I was I was going. But even then, until you sign the contract, you don't know whether it's still going to go ahead. Because Swindon at the time, although we're in the championship, they were in administration every three or four months. Um, so you you still really didn't know until you signed the paperwork. Um, and this sums up my time at Swindon. My deal was signed in a part in a bar underneath Barclays in Old Town. There was a bar <laughs> underneath. I can't remember the name of it now. But it was signed in there. That's probably the story of my Swindon career. Amazing. <laughs> well, obviously, yeah. Grats, Jimmy Quinson, a proper legend, as you'll know, at Swindon. I mean, yeah. clearly, from a managerial point of view, it didn't quite go the way I think any of us, including Jim, would have hoped. But what, what's your recollections of Jimmy as a guy? He, he uh, firstly as a footballer, he was the best finisher I've ever seen and worked with. He left foot, right foot with his head. He was in training. He would embarrass you. He'd say, get, "This is how you do," it, and, and show you. He was so good at that. As a guy, I loved him. Remember, he was a teammate though at Peterborough to start with. Mm-hmm. So literally, within six months, he's gone from teammate to gaffer. Um, so I've signed, got in the change rooms the first pre-season, uh, first day of pre-season. So Jimmy's come in and I've known him as a, as a teammate. So straight away, all the, the banter's with me. And I want to be this quiet little boy in the corner and, and not be, you know, loud. And straight away, everyone thinks, oh, I'm, I'm the favourite already. So I found that really awkward. Yeah. Really, really awkward. Because everyone, there's certain players who didn't like Jimmy. Um, and then his new boy's come in and gets given the number 10 shirt straight away. So Chris Hay wasn't happy. So he hated me straight away from day one. <laughs> um and then Jimmy comes in and says, my three forwards this year are Iffy, Gratz and George and Dar. And you can see Chris Hayes' face just drop. And I think, oh, God. So straight away, my first day, I was trying to make friends with everybody. And Chris Chris had gone from like wearing number 10 to like 24. Oh, wow. um, but yeah, but, and, and, but I like Jimmy. Jim, to me, Jimmy was great. Like I said, anyone who gives you the opportunity to play championship football, you owe a lot to. And I did with Jimmy. I'm just... I was gutted that I missed a lot of that season through injury in the championship. Um, and then obviously he lost his job that year, end of that season. That's got to be a quite yeah. a strange dynamic when, when you go from being someone's teammate and strike partner to then playing underneath them. That's got to be quite a... a... It, was, it was really hard. I mean, you know, you made love, but it was, I found it really difficult. Because you've got to think, he was a, Jim, Jimmy was a prankster. Jimmy was one of the biggest characters in the Peter Changing Rooms. You know, his life and soul were the change rooms. You know, all the banter come through him. So, 
it was a, it was a different dynamic. And then literally, like within three to six months, I'm now he's the gaffer, but he's still trying to have that bit of banter. And I'm like, I'm, I don't think I, I'm allowed to because you're the gaffer. Yeah, but we had a, it was a really different bond to anybody else in that team, and it was quite it was quite awkward at times. I found it awkward. Mm. That's a decent front three, though, isn't it? With um, Uefi and, and George. I mean, oh, George! Wow, George! George was great. Oh, and Ify, to be fair, but George, George was a different level on his day. George was unplayable. Mm. He really was unplayable, and he suffered with injuries, unfortunately, because he he could he could have gone to the very top. He had everything, George. Do you, do you think with George and Dargratz, the issue was like he's one of those bodies that you know needs to be needs to be managed, like as in. Um, you know, there's there's so much emphasis now on sports science and you know high quality physiotherapy. I mean, he's such an athlete, wasn't he? He's build and whatnot. Where do you, do you think if he if do you, do you, one of the one of the, what's, what is it? I'm trying to say it's not like he was. Um, you know, was it? There are some people that tell me I speak to footballers and they say I didn't have a body that was necessarily built for football, but I had a body that was built for athletics, so it needed to be managed. Yeah, was, was and, and he, he was one of them. Yeah, and you know what? He would probably benefit to football now with all the science that's out there and the recovery times. And, you know, every player now is monitored what they eat, how, how hard they work, how, how far they've run. Whereas when we trained, it was, I feel a bit tired. I maybe just do a bit of a light cool down. We didn't know back then. You know, we're, this is 20 odd years ago now. Yeah. You know, George was probably one of the players that maybe shouldn't train as much as he did, but we didn't have that luxury back then. You know, we have to. You know, in the, for, as a manager, you have to train. You know, if you didn't train, you, you felt mentally that you weren't ready for the game on a Saturday. Yeah. But he was a finely tuned athlete, and probably a bit like the Formula One cars. You know, just something little could go wrong in the Formula One car, and it, and it, the performance drops straight away. And and probably George was like that. He was so finely tuned that maybe a little minor knock that we could get through and manage, he couldn't. Because his yeah. body was essentially, he, he was just, he was an athlete. He really was. Yeah. He really was. Well, we'll go, we'll go from one definition of an athlete to another definition, particularly at the Italian end of his career. What was your, what's your funniest Neil Ruddock story? Oh, I love Razor. Razor was so good. <laughs> you, you know what? My, my best time in football, um, putting it away from football, I'd say, was Finden. And that was, that was Razor. I lived in, if you remember, Plaza 21, which was meant to be at the time. The place to be in town, the luxury apartment with the gym inside it, swimming pool, that probably still hasn't been built now. But I lived on one level. Dan Invincible lived on another level. Bertie Braley further down the corridor and Razor was on the penthouse. So literally at one o'clock after training, you'll be in sitting down watching a bit of TV, relaxing, and I'd get a knock on the door and it'd be Razor. And he'd be like, Grat, have you got any porn? <laughs> so... I'd give him my stash and he'd go away. And then he'd, he'd come back and then knock on the door again. Grats, do you fancy fancy a quick drink? Go on in. And we'd go back then, it was O'Neill's in town. Um, and we'd sit there and, you know, Danny Invincible would come, Bertie Brady would come. And then within 20 minutes, the whole team would be there. Because you'd <laughs> ring them up and say, right, you've got to be here. You've got half an hour to be here. And we'd have players say, I can't raise, I've, I've got a reserve game tomorrow. And he'd, he'd say, well, if you don't turn up, I'm telling the gaffer you were here anyway. So <laughs> you, you might as well be here. And within, within half an hour, the whole squad was in there. And it, seriously, I know, I think we got to about six that, in, in, during that season when they were there. It, the camaraderie and the team spirit was amazing. And I mean, that was every player 
as well. You know, I don't know if it was Roy was manager as well. Um, and the funny thing is, we, we, we'd all we'd all come out of the clubs drunk, and we'll see Roy Evans walking down the road, and we'll all hide in the shop doorways, thinking, "Shit, the gap is going to see us," and he'd be more pissed than us. <laughs> what was that? I mean, that, there's a character you brought up, Roy Evans. I mean, he, um, in in many ways, Roy left the county ground with his kind of reputation and 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 sort mm. of dignity in the minds of the fans intact. Whereas, obviously, with Razor, it's a very different story. Um, and yeah, interestingly, we had Sam Parkin on a couple of weeks ago, and Sam was talking about how important Razor was to helping him settle in and yeah. lay the foundations to what Sam went on to achieve. But yeah. what I mean, you, you've obviously mentioned that Roy likes to tipple. Like, what? T- t- tell us a little bit about Roy Evans' scratch because there's not many stories around about his time at Swindon. But no, he, he day, was, yeah, he was such a lovely guy. Um, training was intense. It was it was sharp. It was it was. Um, how can I put it? The, the mix was great because you'd raise it with the real assistant manager. Assistant manager is, the, is that real di- that conduit between the manager and the players and mm. Razor fit that bill perfectly. And what people don't realise, Razor used to train hard. All right, he used to take the warm-up and puke up behind the hedge um, on, on the way round during the warm-up. But Razor could play. Razor was a player. You know, I start, although he was, he was big at the time, he's left foot. He, he could play. But Roy's training was, like I said, was intense, short and sharp, really quiet man. But you know what? We had so much respect for him. Whatever he said, we we listened, you know, just because of where he's come from. This is the ex-Liverpool manager. But what what was quite funny, the chairman at the time was flying in on a helicopter. So we thought we'd made it as a football club. Um, As players, I'd come from League Two to Swindon, getting paid every every month on time at League Two, coming to Swindon and getting paid by check two weeks late in the Mm. championship. And I'm like, something's not right here. And then the following year, we've got our new chairman flying in a helicopter. And we've got Roy Evans and Neil Ruddock. So we think, oh, here we go. We've turned the corner. And then a year down the line, we go back into administration because everything was charged back to the football club, I believe. Mm. Um, but it was, I loved it under Roy. I loved it. He knew he knew what my limitations were. He knew I, I, I could score goals if I played. And he, he believed in me. Um, so I was gutted when he left. I really was. Um, Grats, this will probably resonate with you then. Um, I it must have been about five years after he left Swindon. I was lucky enough to be invited to the PFA Awards, and yeah. I got introduced to Roy Evans. Um, and I was introduced as, "Oh, Roy, this is Mark. Mark's a Swindon fan," and he was so sincere. Immediately, like loads of eye contact. Hadn't had a drop. He was like sober as a judge. Yeah. Shook me hand really sincerely, and he said, "I'm so." His opening words were, "I'm so, so, so sorry." And I went, "We don't have to apologise. My choice of club." And he was like, "No, no." He said, "Obviously, he said, you know, the way the way things went." He said, "You know, I'm I'm really, really sorry." He said, "I really did give it my all." He said, "Really super bunch of people." Um, loved. He said, "I loved the town. I loved the club. It just wasn't meant to be in the end." Um, he said, "I had to walk away." Um, and he, and but, he was, and that was sincere because yeah. I remember the meeting we had. He pulled us in training. And he was gutted. He really was. He he was gutted. We all were as a team. Like I said, I think we got to about six or seven something mm. uh, at that time in League One. We were all gutted because he, he everyone was in it. Even if he didn't play, the certain managers that he weren't in the squad, you know, didn't he walked past you in a corridor once say morning. You know, it wasn't like that with Roy. He included everybody. Razor included everybody. Um, and he was really gutted when he left. We all were. It was. It was a. It was. We. And obviously, we knew who who was sort of coming in, which obviously didn't help certain players as well. 
and you hear the rumours. Um, but yeah, I was gutted when he left. Good, good man. I still see him. Even I still speak to his daughter. Lovely girl. Um, I still see Roy Marbella sometimes. He's always there. Great guy. Really nice guy. Amazing. Did he? I mean, did he take advantage of? I mean, did you see much of the old boot room culture at Swindon? Like, did he bring many of the old faces down? You know, do sort of little star turns here and there to raise morale or otherwise. <laughs> no, 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 none, none of that. Um, but Razor used to organise a great trip to Liverpool. We used to look, we used to look forward to that. We used to play Blackpool and a few clubs up that way, crew, and we used to always end up being in Liverpool. And Razor knew the best places to go. Um, yeah, good times, good times. You mentioned right, another well, character's well, name. You mentioned Bertie Braley in there, Gratz, as well. He was another yeah. character, wasn't he, Bertie? Oh, again, that one I still speak to. I love Bertie. He was, uh, we, we called him like Fraser's, uh, Razor's little stepson. Because um, he obviously come from West Ham with Razor, they were really tight. And and Bertie's probably the the best trainer, best footballer I've ever seen in training. In training, he was like Lionel Messi. He was unbelievable. And then come three o'clock on a Saturday, it, for some reason, it just didn't happen for him. But if you had to, if you were picking a team based on training, he will be your first pick every week. Was, he was, was it, unbelievable. Was it psychological, Gratz? Do you think with Bertie? It must have been. It must have been, because seriously, when he first turned up, he was scoring goals. Maybe he was only a young kid as well. He was, everyone was shocked. Who's his kid? He looks good, but it, it, never, really, it never really happened for him um, at Swindon at all. But like I said, training, whew, his left foot was, was fantastic. A real good finisher. And great guy. Again, again another one I'll speak to. Um, he's still doing stuff in football. Uh, and we we always bring back the spin of memories. It's for for a short period of time we were there. We speak a lot about the club, so it's done yeah. something right for sure. Oh, I'll smash it, Nathan. Moves along nicely. So I just want to say on Bertie Braley. Um, I mentioned earlier being a ball boy. Bertie Braley used to come in where the ball boys used to get ready, which was kind of a little rubbish gym underneath the away fans. And he used to come in and do kickups with us. He was a, yeah. he was a really, really nice guy. And he's so skillful as well. He used to show off all his tricks. He was brilliant. Um, he, and that's true. And the thing is with Bertie, he was a kid. He was young at heart. Even probably now, he's he would come and find you and do kickups. He, he was just football mad. That's all he wanted yeah. to do was play football. would finish training and he'd want to go and play football somewhere. Whether it's on the, end, the back of the wall, he was always at the ball at his feet. He loved football. I'm pretty really sure he got to... dragged out once as well. I'm pretty sure. I can't remember who it was. One of the coaches had to come and drag him out because he was on the bench and he was doing kick-ups with the ball boys. But yeah, was, he was a really lovely guy. That's, that's, that's Bertie. That is Bertie full stop. Yeah. I'll, I'll go on to my question. Um, so, question is, what is the most spiteful thing you've ever done to an opponent? Oh, nice. Oh, you know, I... I was never really spiteful. I was I was clever. I'd always used to speak to the centre halves oh, um, during, during the game. And like, where did you stay last night? Hotel, all right? Was it good? Uh, especially like free kick situations. I'll start chatting to them, and you could really tell they didn't want to talk. They're watching the ball, and I'll keep talking and talking and talking. And as soon as they start speaking, I'd go. I'd, I'd move. I'd I'd you know sharp and pull away from them. Um, they just go, you little shit, and I'll do it again. I'll do it all through the guys. All I had to do was just, just talk to them nicely, never rude, never used to give them banter. I'm not like, people like Reezy, you should tell center ask, You are fucking terrible, you are such a bad player. What are you doing? I was never like that, but Reezy was great at that. He used to wind people up for fun, and Andy and Gurns, Andy Gurney, you could hear it and just laugh on the pitch, hearing some of the stuff that goes on. But I wasn't spiteful, I was. 
is it clever? I don't know. Just cheeky. That's, that's more my thing. I wasn't one that used to wrap um, my studs down Achilles and like that. The only thing I did used to do and I used to like was when the boys to get played to the fullback, and you know when they go to put it down the channel, and as a forward you go close them down and you just follow through. I should do that quite a lot. In my last, I think my last year at Swindon, I think I had two sendings off and like nine bookings. I think I was on in the sun. They should do like the hard man count or the naughty boy list, and I was on that, which is never big my game. So yeah, always like to stick a fullback into Rose Edge. Yeah, but so yeah, more for the psychological warfare and the uh, yeah the um, the, yeah loving that cheek cheeky chappy in their ears. Yeah, that's it. That was me. Not not really spiteful or malicious. I was more that cheekiness and trying to grab their attention and then and then slowly and well slowly in my eyes um, just pull off into like different channels and especially free kicks will I get a bit of space. Flip, flip, just, flip, flip that though, Gratz. What's like you don't have to mention names. What what is what do you think is the most intentionally spiteful thing that someone's done to you on a pitch? Oh. <laughs> Literally, what I said. Someone just wrapping their studs down your calf. Oh, like what, what you're doing. Or the one I used to hate is when the ball's gone wide and you're running into the box, and the centre half just stops still with his elbow up, and you run into the elbow. Oh, That's yeah. the one. And I saw that the other day in one of the games, and I thought, yeah, that happened all the time, mm. all the time. That's the one thing I used to hate, especially like right at the start of the game. Like, what are you doing? I'm here for that. I did what did not want that minute two. My head's pounding now. Um, and I to get one thing I didn't know, I used to get a lot of abuse from away fans. A lot of abuse. In fact, I might have got some from home fans as well. But away fans used to, you know, we talk about racism in football now. Yeah. Oh, mm. Some of the stuff I some of the stuff I got called um from corners and stuff. You're like, wow. So I get a lot of that being a player, which I, I and at the time I didn't mind because if if the, if they're calling for you, that means they're fearful. And I have to just use that in my head. And yeah. I used to love if I if I scored the goal. That's the first thing I did was go into them fans, yeah. um, and give them the finger. But um, but yeah, no, they used to get silly centre halves who wrap their studs down your calves and um, leave an elbow. But that was it, really. What was the um? What was the worst um? Worst fan base to give you stick then, Gratz? Uh, I, t- I tell you what, that Oxford game because I was sub that day when I scored the winner. I got. I was warming up with Reeves. I think it was Reevesy, um, and obviously they were there the whole of the, the the back of the goal, didn't they, at the time? Yeah. And warming up down that end, wow, we got some stick. Italian this, Italian that, and Reevesy. I remember Reevesy saying to me, "Just you know what, let's go on there and score." Um, and that was an, that was an unbelievable feeling. That was that was rocking the county ground that day. Tell, um, tell us, tell us a story, Gratz. Tell us a story because that was such a moment. So uh, it seems it seems remiss of us to not spend a bit of time lingering around on that one. It was obviously I think it was a Sunday. I think it was a Sunday game because I remember going to Longs in the evening and it wasn't that busy. Um, <laughs> as, far as, as I remember my matches where I went out the night out after. Um, so I remember being sub with Reezy. Get in, but obviously you knew about. The, the derby and how, how much I didn't, I didn't realise the hatred if I'm being brutally honest but it, it went back further for me because I'd scored an own goal against Oxford when I was at Peterborough and got Oxford promoted um, and I got carried from the old manor ground Oxford to the train station by Oxford fans so I've never I've never forgot I've never forgotten that so that was like having one back on them but my 
my biggest memory of that game was Colin Todd was the manager. And I remember coming into the change room, everyone high-fiving me and Colin saying to me, had to be you, didn't it? I thought, oh, <laughs> charming. And that, that's what he said to me. It had to be you. Like, he was devastated that I'd scored the winner. So you, you didn't have a great relationship no. with Colin Todd? No, there, no. No, not at all. What is there a story there that you can oh, share? I can tell you. I, listen, I, I finished the first year scoring scoring goals in a championship towards the end. I come back from a bad injury and I come back and I finished the season well, scored a few goals. Um, and obviously that summer he'd come in and I think we had like an open day or an evening um, where all the players in, in, in the bar downstairs... Um, and one by one, we got called up for the stage, and I got a really, I got a nice cheer. I got, a, I got a good cheer. Um, and obviously, when the new manager comes in, if if he if he is if he's not your player, and he's not brought you in, there's always that animosity. And he brought in Gary Alexander uh, for a bit of money. He brought in a couple of other players, and I always knew that my very next bad game, I wasn't going to play. Um, and I didn't play a lot under Colin at all. Um, and so scoring that winner, him saying that told me everything. But then I, his number two at the time was obviously Crozer, who was a great guy. Loved Malcolm Crosby. Uh, and, and, and the late Andy King. And Andy King was always one in my ear saying, Greg, how he's not playing you, I don't know. You know, you're only natural goal scorer he got. I pay you every week. So when Colin Todd left, I thought, oh, fantastic. And I thought, you know, King is going to be manager. Great. And then he didn't play me either. Well, thank you. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> Cheers for that. <laughs> but that um, that whole that whole period under Colin Todd was just odd, wasn't it? It just it just didn't work at all. It was really really strange. Pre-season, we signed about ten players, all from the same agent. I remember some weren't good enough. Some are, some are great guys. Um, but you know, Colin's a legend in the game. Just and then he got mm. the was it, I think he went. To, he got the Derby job, didn't he? From us was it Derby? And and we weren't, yeah. we weren't pulling up trees for Swindon at the time either when he got the Derby job. You know, we weren't doing that well. So we were... I remember one um, one pre-season game. That I think we played Southampton, West Ham. We played some good teams that Yeah, summer. I remember that, yeah. And we, and we looked all right. And there, as you say, there were so many new players that had come in. And there, I think there was sort of a general feeling of this could be pretty exciting. And then we were, we were absolutely abysmal. We were terrible. It was. It was, I think... I think we survived on the last game of the season, didn't we? More or less. I think there was a game the night before. So remember, we, went, we turned up a training and we had like champagne to celebrate not getting relegated, which I don't agree with. Um, you know, you're celebrating being crap. Um, but I remember that. I remember it went down to the wire. I can't remember what team it was, but they'd lost a few games. They had games in hand. They lost a few and we we survived. Um, it was Rovers. Yeah, that's it. Because right right? yeah. I think they only went down because their pitch was so bad at the time. I think the Met was really bad and they had to play Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday on that pitch. Um, yeah. And, and then they never picked up results. So we survived, but we, yeah, we didn't play well at all. We were, there were some disastrous games, I remember, like really poor performances. Mm. But we had some money then because I think, was it Terry Brady the chairman at the time? Did he bring Colin in? Was it Terry Brady, the old well, chairman? Yeah, Ruben's Ru- 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 me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, there was big belief then at the time. He'd come in with his helicopter and Bentley. Um, Colin Todd, manager, Malcolm Crosby. You know, Crosby was, Crosby was so good. He was he was brilliant. He's one guy. I, I, what a coach. What a man. Um, and the late King, and, and to be fair, Kingy was an all to be fair. Everyone, if you weren't in the team, you had to be in King's circle. 
um, for him to like you. That makes sense. Um, yeah. You know, I remember, do you remember one, Juan Cobian? Yeah. Yes. Wayne Cobian got treated. He, he won't want to king his boys. Um, but if you're in Kingy's circle and he liked you, then you were fine. And it, Kingy was always fine with me. Even though he never played me, he was, you know, I, I never went with the, they used to call it like the, the veg squad, the team, the players, not nowhere near the squad. And you used to go in a little corner, do your own stuff. I was never involved in that. I always said morning. So that's one thing I can say about Kingy. Although he didn't play me a lot, he never treated me poorly. But there were certain players that just didn't fit into his culture. Mm. Um. But you know, you know, obviously, sad, sad to hear what's what's happened to him. Bless him. Yeah, yeah, really, really sad. Um, I think it's one of those grats. Like being a fan through that era, he was a he was a manager. It was very, very easy to kind of get on his back, give him a hard time mm. because you know you you could attach the cliche to him about you know his lack of tactical nows and. Yeah. Um, you know, you you would see like the substitutions, like we'll throw an Antoine van der Linden yeah. up from you know yeah. in the last five minutes, all that kind of stuff. Not, not even um, as a sub though; he's just starting games as a forward, and you'd be sat there going, "Oh my, well, you're playing a centre off in front of me," <laughs> and you think, "What is going on?" It used to drive you mad. It really did. I think the, the it, history has been is is kinder. I think to um, to the late Andy King. Um, in a sense that if you look at some of the things that his sides went on to achieve, you know, came very, very close in the playoffs. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, good. built a very, very capable side on an absolute yeah, shoestring. Yeah, he did. But he um, did. What, as a, what, what do you think that someone needed to do to sort of get into his circle, Gratz? Because you talked about, you know, he had a culture. What, what, what? Could you elaborate on that, or is that just sort of something you have to feel? No, it's it's and football is really football's all about mates being mates. It's, you know, there's jobs for mates in there in football. You see it now. People leaving and they bring their assistant with them, and it's like that with players. There's a certain group of players. You know, we used to like going out after games and having a drink or play cards on the coach. If you didn't do that, you you didn't not that you didn't fit in, but you just weren't part of it. You know, and there's some players that wasn't in their nature to be like that. Like Juan Cobian, what a lovely guy he is, the nicest man you could ever meet. Like mm. the nicest man you used to ever meet. I remember Crozzy used to try and tell him stuff to do. And and he just go, Juan, like you're not doing it. Like it's really shouting like Juan Cobian. Juan would go, Hey Crozza, it's for I like Manuel from Forty Towers. for I and we used to just like and you know, this is the boy with that Sheffield Wednesday. I think he did a, a piece in the program, the best players you've played with. It was the best 11 I've ever seen. I've not seen the Dan's 11 better than what he had when Kobe. And I think he had Maradona, Veron, Canidia. He had people like that in the best 11. I had like George and Dar and Charlie Flaherty from Wembley and people like that. He had all these Argentinian superstars and he's the best 11. But in, in, in terms of a culture, you had to be not one of the lads, but you had to join in and be have a bit of fun. You know? And, and, and Kingy was like that. Kingy would have his Copa Mondiales on, doing kick-ups, doing all the tricks, joining in the fiber sides. He was he, he was he was a laugh to be around, Andy. He really was. He was a he was a character and a half. And like you said, he the year I think bringing Sam Park and in Tommy Mooney, he brought that side up. Um, and really unfortunate not to go again. Promoted. Um, he brought some good players in that year.
that was a super, super Swindon side. It really was. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah. if we if we got to Wembley, I think everyone's of the general consensus. I'm sure the boys on the panel tonight would agree, boys. We would have, would have beaten City at Wembley that year easy, wouldn't we? Oh, yeah. playing, playing yeah, City and Cardiff would have been epic. Yeah. yeah. We would have absolutely... Yeah. Would, wouldn't have been an issue. Would have rolled them. No trouble. Yeah. But... Yeah. Right. Nick, well, you, you want to move us along? You'll like this one, Grat. Yeah, this is, this is a nice one, Gratz. You've got three former players here. You've got, you can shag one, marry another, <laughs> and avoid another. Right. So you've got Danny Invincible, yeah. David Duke, yeah, and Bobby Howe. Fucking hell. Um, <laughs> what a selection. I spoke to Danny two days ago. He rang me from Thailand. Um, Danny Invincible. He's a good-looking boy, Danny. Good-looking boy. So I'd say... <sighs> That's a tough one. Bobby Howe avoid massively. <laughs> he, he, a good character though around. He was a funny lad. But yeah, definitely. Right. Jukesy's a good lad. Jukesy's a great kid. You'd probably marry Jukesy because he's sort of one who'd he'd make you tea every night. You know I mean? He's like he's a proper guy. He'd be, do the gardening. He'd make dinner for you. He'd wash up. He'd wash your car. He'd, he was he'd, all round us. So you'd probably marry Jukesy. Um, so you'd probably shag Danny. I'd say, yeah, he's a good looking boy. Yeah, but Jukesy's the one you marry. Jukesy had he had every club in his his bag, shall we say? He could do the lot, Jukesy. He'd be a night. He'd be uh, one your mum would like, and all probably. <laughs> <laughs> what's um, what's Danny up to in Thailand now? Then he's a, he's a coach. He's well, he's a manager. Coaching, a Bangkok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. He was. He came over to England about three weeks ago. I caught COVID. We were going to meet up, but he caught COVID, so we had to isolate for a bit, and then we had to go back up to Scotland. But yeah, he's a coach over in Thailand. He was because uh, obviously Clem being Australian, yeah. Um, I think he was sniffing to see if he'd get into the club again. I think he'd come over if there was something for yeah. sure. He was. It was funny, Grace, because you and I talked about this off air, didn't we? You were you've been very humble about you know not quite sort of getting your head around why you're so popular at Swindon. And I, I said, like, you guys in many ways had comparable records, you and Danny at Swindon. You both, you both sort of in that definitely well-regarded bucket. You know, you talk to people about their sort of cult heroes at the club. Your two names are never too far apart. Um, you just, both of you are synonymous with that era. Um, it's, what, what Dan, Danny was a fascinating player, though, because I could never quite under, work out whether he was a winger or whether he was a striker or whether he even knew. It was just Danny like, didn't, was a bit Danny of a nickel, didn't know, wasn't he? Danny didn't know either, if I'm honest. He had, um, I remember his first day in pre-season, we did sprints. I've, I've never seen him. I've never seen a quicker player than him. He was so quick, um, and I think that's, I think that was probably his downfall. He didn't know whether to play him down the middle or wide. I think there was a time when I think Kingy played myself, Danny, and Eric Sadan as a front yeah. three, um, and and I was gutted. You couldn't have two quicker players in the three, and then you had me. So I thought it was a bit harsh. Put me in that front three with him too. Um, but yeah, Danny's a Danny. Danny had everything in his game, but didn't really reach the levels he could have done. Yeah. Um, I think he had much more to. He could have given a bit, you know, much more. I think under Roy, he he, he was he, he he could thrive a lot more. With, um, Danny liked the old, you know, ego massage. He liked the arm around the shoulder. He wasn't one that took well to to the vocals and you know the criticism. You know, yeah. he needed his his hand held and and you know that that loving arm rounding, which Roy Roy did. Crosser used to do. 
Um, he, and was, I think he, was a, he was a good-looking boy, though, Grass. I'd happily have held his hand and put my arm around his shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, he, he didn't struggle, that boy. He, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, that was... Uh, he, 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 had, he had the lot, to be fair. And you know what? He, he wasn't arrogant with it either. You know, there's some people that... You know, know they're good looking and they they flaunt it. He wasn't like that at all. He was just a nice. He was a nice kid, really. And I think that's why we got on. We both obviously got Italian heritage, both real fam family orientated, and obviously he lived literally just below me in in Plaza Twenty One. So we used to have you know dinners together. We, we spent a lot of time, um, me and Danny and his mates, and and you know Regan, Alan Young, etc. We used to go out quite a lot. Yeah, um, and, and we had similarities. We did, you know, the Italian bit helped, and obviously he'd come from Australia. You know, he'd come from Australia. You know, he had no one really didn't really know anybody. Um, but yeah, he's a good lad. Yeah, good looking boy for sure. Yeah, definitely a good looking boy. Well, how do you pronounce his last name? By the way, I th- I'm pretty. We all called him Invincible, but I'm pretty sure that was wrong. No, nah, he, he kept saying it was Invincible, but <laughs> yeah, I'm not having that. I, I still think it was a name that he made up. I'm sure club weren't having it either. He sold a lot more shirts with it just being invincible. Let's just like, have that. Great, I, I, I know I bought it. I had his, great, I had his great name. The name. Back of mine shirt. Great, great name. What a name. I remember, you know, going into hotels, booking in hotels on away trips. And, you know, what name? What's your name? Danny Invincible. And you see the women, obviously looking at him already straight away, loved him. And then hearing the name, <laughs> that was it. I'm sure, that he, I'm sure he ordered so much room service. <laughs> That's well, we, why. That's to... why. And, and that's why I hang around with him a lot. I have to get all these knock me knockdowns. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to go from from uh, from a from a Rolls Royce of a name to probably more like Morris Minor of a name with Chris's question. All right, that's. Um, oh, yeah. Is it true Ian Wone loved to moan? That's, yeah, he did. But you know what? I didn't mind moaners when they could perform like he did. Um. I've had players in the past who'd moan a lot and you think, you know, you're you, you no space to moan because you're not delivering. Woney was, wow, what a talent. He was a player. He was, he and he was, he was good to And he did moan. He did moan, but he's been there and done it. So he, he, had, he had, in his own right, he could moan. And you listened if he moaned because he's been there. He, he's experienced it all, played at the top. Um, great, again, a great, great, great lad. I'm, I'm, I'm listening to this now and talking about it, but I'm... Remembering some of the characters that we had, and Woney was definitely one of them, and knew he'd go into management as well and coaching because he just had that about him. He was always speaking to the players, young players especially, you know, talking through games in training, pulling them to the side. You know, you could really tell, and it, that left foot, you know, Ray's had the left foot, but wow, Woney, different, different level. It literally is the can, can of beans cliche, isn't it, buddy? His left foot. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you what's good for nights out in Nottingham. <laughs> <laughs> did he ever talk to you? Did he ever talk to you much about Cluffy? Did he have? Um, did, no, you know what? A, not... a... Sorry. No, 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 not at all, buddy. It, I always got the impression with with Ian Wone, there were certain players that sort of fell out of favour with Cluffy, or with, with, you you could tell with Cluffy, Cluffy had his favourites. I could never quite work out with Wone whether he was in. in in or out like a prime example i remember he signed kingsley black for like a lot of money um and kingsley black just sort of like drifted out of his graces very quick sheridan was another drifted out of his graces in Wone, it was like i, I don't know i just I, I was never quite sure either way but did he ever but he never talked much about cluffy 
you know what this is what 20 odd years ago now I can't recall you know I thought I think I remember some of the fluffy stories if like, if he said them he wasn't that sort of type I don't think he, he sort of mentioned much I, I mean I can't recall any any stories if I'm honest yeah. um, I just I just used to you know used to be in awe of him on a match day and this is coming to the end of, end of his career as well um, I'd love to have seen him in his peak because um, yeah that left foot was was something to admire yeah mm. Right, I've got I've got another question for you, Grats. What body part would you like to remove? <laughs> Glad I'm saying it's not my missus. Um, <laughs> uh, my my stomach. Have yeah. <laughs> mm. the, the years not been kind, Grats? Is that what no, you're saying? No, the years not been kind at all. Um, <laughs> no matter what I did, I mean, I caught COVID and lost a stone, and still look four stone overweight. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it's not been kind to me. Not been kind to me. Stomach it is then. No, but let's not <laughs> let's, let's let's put the gentleman out of his misery and move us along. Right, Grats, can you tell us your dullest ever teammate? Oh, honest. Uh, oh, that's a tough one. That's weird because we've had lots of characters actually. Like Matty A was a great lad. He was a he, he was a character. Someone who just joined, he he was good fun. Uh, I'm trying to think who we had. Gareth Hall. He had Gareth Hall. He, he you know he'd come from the top. I thought he'd be a bit more livelier. Um, who was dull? Who was really dull? It's a good question. That's a real good question. If Chris you can't Hayward, think of it, I, it, might, it might be Hayward, you. If you can't think of it, maybe. Yeah. Chris, Chris, yeah. Chris Hay was pretty quiet and never really got involved too much. What was um, Matty Hewlett like? He seemed like a really quiet lad. Yeah, he was quiet, but you know, he had a bit about him. Don't worry, there was times when he had a bit about him as well. Yeah. He, uh, he, was, a, he was a bit of a silent assassin as well. He could be, um, <laughs> without knowing it. But yeah, he'd come across quiet. But no, he he, he 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 could have a little bit if he wanted to. Um, Keith O'Halloran, he was okay. No, we had a few characters. To be fair, Kingy and people like that—they signed characters. Very rarely do we have a like, little quiet one. Um, but yeah, probably Chris. Yeah, I remember Chris Hay being really, really quiet. Really quiet. You got to think. I mean, I was brought up like with Gareth Davis. You can't have anyone more crazy than Gareth Davis, Ginge. Hmm. <laughs> was it? Um, was it? <laughs> oh, Ginge. Go on, Phil, you, you've got to be able to elaborate, Grats. Ginge was mad. He used to do a, he used to call it the greyhound in nightclubs and take his clothes off and crawl her on the floor like a greyhound dog, naked. <laughs> and Bouncy used to be scared to like pick him up and pick him out. He was now, mad. Get... He was he was a great lad. He was a big funny boy. He he, but another... his, injury nearly cost him his career, Grats, though, didn't it? If I'm right in remembering, was yeah. he not? Was Gareth one of those lads? He had a, like a really serious problem with his knee and took some time he out did. of the game. Almost, he did. I don't know whether yeah. he was the one, one of the lads that retired, but then had to come back into the game and pay off his insurance money, or whether that was someone else. I'm thinking, but oh, right. I remember when I joined, I think he only paid five or six games, I believe. But the games he played, we'd done really well in. Like, I think we won, and mm. I think we went away away at Palace. Um, um, and he played. He was man of the match. When he mm. was fit, he was he was brilliant. He was Ginge, really, really good. But yeah. but even in being injured, he was a character because he used to be in early Ginger Boys with Dick Mackey, the physio, and it's be carnage, absolute <laughs> carnage. If you're injured with with, with Ginge, oh my god. Um, 
but fun. I mean, and like, I was injured that year a lot, so I spent a lot of time with Ginge in that Fijo's room. Um, yeah, he was a character. He was funny, funny, funny man. But yeah, he's great. I used to love the greyhound. He used to love the greyhound. He used to, used to not, call it. Not, not a trick that I've ever done, but one that I'm going to have to try now. Although you know, yeah, know. You'll try it. You'll try <laughs> <laughs> I'll be slow. There's no way I'd be able to get away with trying to pull a greyhound at my age. You know? <laughs> You've got to do some things in your life at least once, Grats. Yeah. What, what have we got next, Juddy? Tell us about your relationship with uh, young Alan Young, because obviously he was he was a player that I think we all had high hopes for, and it didn't didn't quite work out for him, did it? I've got to be really careful because he's my boss at the moment. Um, <laughs> so Alan Young, <laughs> Alan Young was a young whippersnapper in the youth team. Uh, was it? I think did he make the England under 18s? I think he did. I think I see his shirt in his office every time on a team score. I see it behind him. He's um, just done that, mate. Don't believe him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I remember Youngy and a bit like Reezy did to me, like took me under his wing, looked after. I did the same with Alan. Um, young kid, lots of confidence. Um, I loved him because he was he was a cheeky chappy. You know, he'd come into the first team change room and he used to get a lot of stick taken out on him and he used to give it back. I thought this young kid got something about him. Mm. Um, and obviously I lived in London. So every Friday night I used to give him keys to my apartment in Swindon. Cause obviously he couldn't bring girls back to his house cause he lived with mum and dad. So I gave him my apartment keys and every Monday I used to collect the keys back for him. And it's been on for a couple of years. You know, I used to look after him that, but I remember his initiation we had, uh, we just got into the first team and, we were away in Wimbledon and we gave him a, a Mohican um, <laughs> and he got, he got sent home by Andy King for looking disgraceful and it wasn't even his fault. <laughs> um, but he, he, his initiation, we uh, obviously he was, a, he was a real mouthy little thing. He's only got about five stone and about three foot high. Um, <laughs> but he, uh, a fantastic touch, lots of ability. You know, again, one that didn't really, didn't fulfil the potential that was that was out there. Um, but talking to him now, and obviously I've known him for 20 odd years, he didn't love football enough at the time. You know, he did yeah. enjoy the training, the training every day. He liked, he liked the match day, did enjoy the training. Mm, yeah. And he did, didn't want it, didn't have that desire and the attitude for it. And he admits it now. He's like, he does, and he doesn't miss it either. No. He misses the change room banter, but not the actual training. So he's got, I don't, he's got no regrets with it. He's done ever so well in business. Done very, very well. Um, but so his initiation was uh, they made him drink a pint of the top shelf. So it was on the top shelf, a pint of. And young, nice. like he is, found it in one. Yeah, no. well, nothing. And this is like Bailey's in there, and it's all curdly and it's awful. <laughs> and this is like in a bar in Swindon. It must be about four o'clock in the afternoon. And he's downed it. And he's like, go on, give me another one. Like, Seriously, Al, don't be silly. Now, go on. So, gave him another one. He drank about two gulps. And within half an hour, he's a mess. He's oh. an absolute mess. So, I've taken him back to my apartment in the plaza, put him in the bed, face down, obviously, so he doesn't choke on his own sick. Bottle of water. I said, listen, I'm going back out. I'll be back later. You stay there. Seems like half six in the evening. <laughs> I've totally forgotten about Youngie. I've gone out, gone to a club, Got lucky with a girl, brought her back to the apartment and totally forgot about Alan being in my apartment. He had puked all over the place. Oh. And I mean all over the place. And um, to the point where I'm like, oh, my, you little shit. What have you done? 
But I've got a young lady in town, right? Come on, don't worry about him. We'll go in the other room. She goes, no, we can't leave him. We can't leave him. Look, he's not well. I'm looking at him going, liven yourself up. Go home now. You're going. No, he goes, I don't feel well. I don't feel well. I can't, don't, don't leave me. Don't leave me. <laughs> and with a cheeky grin on his face, playing the old mother me card. And that was it. Put pay to my night. And I've never forgotten. He still hasn't paid me back for my mattress. <laughs> um, but he took it. But as I said, now he's 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 the MD of the business I work for. He's done very very well. Um, and we always we always talk about our time at Swindon with him. But um, yeah, he's uh, he's someone I'm fortunate to have met at my at, at my time there. Yeah, well, you know, you treat people well, Grats. It tends to come back around some at some point. Well, that's how I've been brought up, and so far, Touchwood, it's it's worked. With me and Al, and Al being that that the answer to that story, right, mate? We're coming on to the anchor leg now. With these questions, so dig in, Grace. Yeah. Uh, Chris is up next, I believe. Just how crap are Bristol Rovers? Oh, <laughs> 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 oh, um, oh, so careful. Uh, how crap are Bristol. You, you know what? I will only talk about my time there. My time at Bristol Rovers was awful. I had an awful time. I had a two-year contract, and I hated it so much, I left after a year. Um, I, not not the club. The club itself was fantastic. Fans were unbelievable. I just it, this is what I've, I've never. I've always got all my managers. Obviously, I've told about Colin Todd and Kingy, but I never really fell out of them. But Ray Graydon was my manager at Rovers, and I fell out big time. I hated football. I, I was ready to quit football. Totally, I fell out of love with it. He brought me to my knees. I was I was a broken man. He broke me. Um, so my time at Bristol Rovers, and I still speak to fans now. They were great, but my time there, I, I, I have no fond memories apart from my teammates that I had. My actual time there was was terrible. I hated it. I really so, did Grats, hate it. Grats, to what extent? Like, obviously, you sounds like that was a proper career low for you there. Oh. To what extent did that fire you up to go on to enjoy, arguably, what was your your kind of most prolific spell at Barnet? Like, was 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 that was that part of the motivational curve? Yeah, you know what, I, I remember being on holiday, and um, I got a phone call from my uh, John Steele. The John Steele was the assistant at the time at Bristol Rovers. He went, "Grats, we've had an offer come in, the swap deal with Junior Gogo, mm-hmm. um, Barnet, what you." And I, I, I remember saying yes straight. Remember, I'm from Barnet. Yeah. I remember saying yes. I didn't even know what the money was. I said, yeah, I want to do it. Um, spoke to Barnet, and it was literally 50% pay, pay cut than what I was getting. And I went, that's a lot to not take. You know, it's a lot of money. Mm. And to be fair to Martin Allen, you know, I'll give a lot of credit to Martin. Um, a, because he, he, he got my, I got my love back for the game based on him. But also, I remember him saying to me, Grat, do not leave Bristol Rovers until you get the money you want. Get paid up. I'm not going to sign Junior until I know you've got your money. So for about a month, this went on, back and forth with the chairman, offered me, you know, several pays and paying me up, and it wasn't enough still. But Martin would ring me every day saying, "Don't take it, Grat. Wait till you get the figure you want, because I want you, and I'm not going to sign anybody else until I get you." So you make sure you're not. You know what? What a man! Um, but I couldn't wait to leave. Seriously, I hated football. I've never ever thrown a boot at a manager, and that's what he broke me to. Wow! You know, I was I wasn't allowed back to London. It, it, it put 
we play on a Saturday. Um, and if I got taken off after like 65 minutes, he'd come in the change rooms and he'd say, right, everyone who paid, everyone who's played 67 minutes or more, see you Monday. Everyone else see you tomorrow morning running. And whatever minute I'd come off at, he used to, that'd be the minute, you know, so I'd have to be in on a Sunday for like a 12 minute run every morning. Oh man. And I was like, you know what? Listen, the good thing was I went down to about 10 and a half stone, 11 stone. So it was that good weight. Um, but I hated football. I hated football. I hated football so much. Like you wouldn't believe it broke me. Broke the me, broke me. Totally. Life, Grats, if you're not doing it with your heart, mate, there's no point doing it. It's always. I was, there, so. No, I was, I was, I was me done. I, I totally, totally finished playing. I was going to, I was looking at you going back to university, finished my, my college, um, finished my degree. Sorry. I, that was me done. I, I hated it. And like I said, it wasn't the teammates, it wasn't the fans. The manager just, yeah, brought me to my knees massively. Well, this might perk you up a little bit. So this question uh, says, my sister had a massive crush on you and David Duke. In your opinion, who was the bigger <laughs> STFC heartthrob, Gratz? Dukesy? Really? Apparently. <laughs> so I'm not having none of that. Um, if you said, like, Danny Invincible or something, you know, fair enough, but Dukesy? Mm. Maybe because he's a, he's a nice boy, see, what I said earlier. You exactly know, he, that. He does a lot, see, maybe, I get that. I'm not having Dukesy, no, no, no. <laughs> no you, take, no. You, you take full credit there then, Gratz. Yeah, I'm not having Dukesy. Nathan, what we got next? What's the weirdest thing you've ever eaten? Oh, weirdest thing I've ever eaten. Hmm. Mm. Um, I would say some of them, my wife's cooking some nights, but I'm not sure what she provided me. Uh, what's, what am I eating? That's strange. Remember going on like pre-season trips and having to cook stuff that we don't know what it was. It could have been anything. Said it was chicken, but it's never seen chicken that small, so that could have been anything. Um, yeah, I've not, and I've not really travelled to like certain countries where they make you eat. Like if, probably if I went and saw Danny in Bangkok, I'd be eating certain bits. Um, but no, I've not eaten anything. I'm very peculiar with my, even though I've got the belly, I am quite picky with what I eat. And if it doesn't look like an animal or look like food, then I'm not one to try much. But I've had the crocodiles and things like that, which I've liked. But never nothing ridiculous that I'm not sure about. I've not been on like celebrity jungle or anything like that. I wouldn't put that sort of stuff in my mouth. I don't know. I think I think we'll take crocodile and move on. That's pretty weird. Yeah. I've, I've never I've never had crocodile. Yeah. What's um. Oh, this is a belter. Nick, what's the, get hit Gratz with this one. Okay, so Gratz, you're in an EFL Royal Rumble. <laughs> Which former Swindon teammate would you tag team with? And what does your uniform look like? Oh, lovely wrestling. Who would I bring in with me? Um, you know what? Lee Collins was like a Tasmanian devil. He would have been good in the old Royal Rumble with my tag team. He'd be non-stop. He loved he the strap. Like, yeah, he he, he 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 was. Gerns was a bit of a boy and all. He liked to he liked to a, a rumble, um, you know, just for pure sophic iffy and aura because he was a beast, big iffy. No, I'm going to go with Lee Collins just because he wouldn't stop. You you know he wouldn't stop. It, it would be like I said, little Tasmanian devil. And I'd go for. I used to like the Heart Foundation. You know the black leggings, pink sunglasses. <laughs> 
nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit me. It's a nice little colour coordination, that black and pink looks nice. <laughs> Shades on. And what's what's your signature move, Gratz? What's your signature move? Uh, signature move. Uh off the top rope with a belly slam. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Chris has, Chris has got some more nonsense for us. Right, Grats. What is your favourite type of bear? Bear. Bear. Danny. She was lovely. <laughs> that Danny Bear. To be fair, you're not wrong. Yeah, she was great, Danny Bear. Yeah. She was lovely. That was when I was growing up. She was the heartthrob growing up, and she? She was on every TV programme. Yeah, Danny Bear for me. She was, and uh, I think if I recall, Danny Bear's um, she was one of because I was of the God, I was really young at the time, but so she must be perfect, proper old now. But I seem to remember she was deceptively young, so she was one of those TV personalities. It looked like she was in her late twenties, but in effect, she was like late teens. Oh really? Sure. Oh no! Take that back. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sure it was. I'm sure that was the case with Danny Bear. Yeah. And didn't she? Have, yeah. She had a very well publicised um, uh, uh, tryst with uh, Celeste as well. Yeah, I've heard that story. I used to, I played with Danny Maddox, and he he was the roommate on that infamous night. Apparently, so I've heard the story. <laughs> well, let's, yeah. I'll, I'll move. Us That's why she's my favourite bear. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the biggest shit house you ever played with and against, Gratz? Shit house. Who was the biggest shit house you ever played with and against? Um, I used to hate. I used to hate those players who'd give it loads on the pitch. And then when it come to the tunnel, would hide behind the biggest players, um, oh. and that was that was usually me sometimes as well. Um, <laughs> I remember Eddie Howe was a bit of a shit house. I remember that. We I think I got sent off once for a little tussle with him when I think it might have been Cole Fletcher trod on Eric Saban when we played him. I think it was a Boxing Day match, and I got sent off. But Eddie was a bit yeah, he was mouthy little thing, give it loads, but never really wanted anything after. But uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't think that now, would you? Seeing him, seeing him talk. No, no. Uh... Uh, John, 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 John Beresford. We had a we had a bit of a, a kerfuffle at, um, when we played Newcastle. Um, he said a few bits. Then when it comes to it, nothing ever really happened. You get a lot of brave people on the pitch, mm-hmm. um, but I just made sure I was I was I. I was behind big centre halves when I was saying my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and you're good. You're good mates with Reevesy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I had to keep this face as it is. I wasn't one. I wasn't one for getting in trouble and, and having tear ups. There's certain well, players who love all that sort of stuff. Well, look, off, off the back of that question, Nathan's got a particularly uh, relevant one. Do you have any Scott Leach stories? You know what? Um, I, I don't because I was injured that season a lot with Leachy, so I only saw him sort of in the change rooms. All I know is he was just, you know, like a man's man. Does that make sense? You know, like yeah. a proper fella that you knew if there's a tear up, he was having it. No matter how big the fella was, <laughs> he was having it. He was just a proper, which I said, you don't get nowadays in change rooms. No, you, you, you know, miss, I, miss players like that. I, I remember in change, and he would, he would do the job for the manager after time. Before the manager come into the change rooms, he was already effing and jeffing, telling people what they did wrong or did, did right. Um, he was, a, he was, you know, like I said, I, I think I was unfortunate to be injured that season to ex- experience playing with him, but I saw the influence he had in and around the change rooms and the squad. Uh, like I said, a real man's man, you know, like you didn't want to get on the wrong side of him, you listened when he, when he spoke, yeah, 
very, very popular still at Swindon. Very, yeah, very popular. Yeah, like yeah. what, what we got next, Juddy? I don't know if you've got a pet, Gratz, but if your pet could talk, what's one thing they could say that would completely ruin your image? Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I breathe in a lot. <laughs> <laughs> is it spandex, is it? Yeah. yeah. Not, not as corset. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly oh. it. Right, and we've got another question here from Chris talking about um, former hard teammates. Right, uh, Sol Davis was a rascal. Oh, What's your yeah. favourite Sol Davis story? Oh, Sol was an absolute nutcase. Um, he's the one player who used to wait. He could win the ball 10 seconds earlier if he wanted to. He wouldn't. He'd wait so that the, so the attacker got closer to him so he could take ball and player every <laughs> time. I think there's one tackle on YouTube. Is it against Stoke in the foot in the, on near the corner flag? I don't know if you've lot seen it. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, that's, that's the one. It's horrendous. Oh my god! Apparently, it all kicked off in the players' bar after, um, based on that tackle, and that was Seoul. But the nicest, like it wasn't like that at all in training or away from the football field. A real nice guy, but on the field, if he could, he snap people in half. But but time it to perfection after time as well. He had no fear. No fear I, at all, Sol. I seem to remember a story about, I think it was, was it Sol, was it in a reserve game and Stuart Ripley went mad and attacked him? <laughs> yeah, I heard that one. I wasn't there, but I did hear that. Sol wouldn't have cared, though. Sol didn't care at all. It could have been Maradona. He wouldn't care, Sol, who he tackled. or He, he, he put managers on the sideline in the, into the tunnel, if he could. <laughs> the ball was there. He really would. He could... He could. He, his timing was so good. He's a wait. Like I said, he's the wait and time it to perfection. He won the ball, but took the player as well. So it looked like a fair tackle. And you could see that winger did not want to come nowhere near him after that. And you should say, so just get, get into him early. And he'd go, yeah, okay. And he would. Brilliant, he was. The, so definition, the definition of the reducer. Yeah, oh, definitely. Definitely, right, definitely. Right. Grace, you talked a bit. Of, all right, you've talked about your tummy, but can you cook? And what's your signature dish? You know, I, I'm not. I don't cook enough. I can cook. I, I do. Um, I, I do like. I do like my steak. I'm. I'm uh, when it's my turn to cook, I make sure we have steak in the house and um, steak, mushrooms. Um, I make my own sort of wedges and you know potato stuff. Uh, but steak's my my thing. I make a, a, a pasta sauce. That I can do, but I'm fortunate enough that my my wife finishes work earlier than me, and so dinner's already done. So I'm gutted, really. I'd love to cook more. I really would. Um, that's tongue in cheek, by the way. Uh, I would. <laughs> I would yeah. Although COVID put pay to that, being indoors every day, then I had to cook. But um, yeah, I do. I don't mind cooking. I, I I don't mind being brought up. Luckily with Italian parents, so I've seen seen the dishes and I've made them when I've needed to. But I'm, I'm like I said, I'm fortunate. My wife's a great cook and. And uh, but when it's my turn, I, I I do cook a nice steak with with bits and pieces. So very nice too. We're speaking about bits and pieces. Nathan's got a good question. <laughs> Did Steve Mildenhall ever show you his scars? No, Steve Mildenhall. He's one player, Mildy, who turned from Kit Kat fingers to the best goalie I've ever seen in a space of three months. He come, he turned up one pre-season, he was a totally different player. Because before that, he had all the attributes, but he'd always, use, he, like I said, he said, like Kit Kat fingers, if it would go through his hands. And he turned up 
the next summer, next summer, wow, what a what a player! But I remember he loved the he loved the night out, Mildy as well. He used to love a night out. Um, flash the cash, shall we say? Um, but yeah, no, he never showed me no scars. <laughs> do you know? Do you know the story of Milton Hall at Portsmouth? No. You'd, no, no way. Oh, grats. You're no letting, way. You're letting yourself down no. some. Tell can, me. Can, I want to know Hannah, tell him the story. Well, no, I think Juddy should tell him. This is this is the prime Jud material, this. Go on, Hannah. This is uh, it's, it's the nether regions, but I'll let you tell it, Hannah. So you tell it about. Oh, all right. Okay. So, essentially, he got... It's Rob, Robbie Pethick, gentlemen, was it not? Correct me if I'm wrong. But um, Mildy has... Uh, Mildy has, let's say, come together with an opposition yeah, player. Yeah, did he rip his scrotum? Yes. There you go. You saved yeah, me, yeah. rats. Yeah, 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 I remember that. Then yeah, yeah, I remember yeah, played, played the remainder of the half um, with a torn scrotum, and then, but oh. then played the entire second half with sort of temporary packaging, shall we say, and got man of the match for his troubles and gets clean sheet. <laughs> and it was live on Sky as well, by the uh, way. Yeah, live really? on Sky. Uh, I remember now. Now you said the story. I remember the story now. I can't, I can't believe he carried on playing with that. My God, how did he do that? It was a proper crunch as well. Oh my God! You can find it on YouTube if you really want to want to. I'm all right, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. Right, gone with the knees. Um, Grats, what would be your weapon of choice in a zombie apocalypse? Hmm. A few bars I went to in Swindon, there was a few of them in there. Um, <laughs> um, I'd have to have been obviously old school mafia, that'd be the old Uni guns and stuff, the old mafia machine guns. That'd be me. A nice Tommy gun under the old. Yeah, that'd do me. Yeah, that'd be enough. Yeah. Just, just blaps them all away. All yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, look. We're uh, so this sort of taps taps back into uh, the late great Andy King, Chris's uh, Chris's next question, Gratz. So, uh, Gratz, what's is your what is your funniest Andy King story? I can't say too many because there's some that you can't really say on this this thing. I know it's after the watershed, but you can't. <laughs> poor man's power, so you can't. Um, <laughs> I remember being on a golf day with with Andy, and. Um, like each player got put into like uh, uh, like a four ball with main sponsors, and I remember being with a real. It was, I was a good golfer at the time. I'd only just started playing, and my my team weren't really happy with my performance, and you could see them getting aggravated as as we did, mm. and and they weren't really like nice people to be with. They were quite snobby, and all of a sudden you could hear on the other fairway, Andy King with a cigar probably about eight inches long. Effing and Jeffing, fucking hell, Grats. I've driven that ball further than you've been on fucking holiday. And I think, oh my God. <laughs> and, I, and I remember the sponsors going, is that the manager? <laughs> yeah. Certainly <laughs> 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 is. Yeah, but that was Kingy. He loved it. He loved his cigars. Loved his golf. Outstanding. Um, What's yeah. um, all right, here's a question for you, Grats. Uh, who wins in a race between George and Dart and Eric Sabin? Let's say hundred beaters. With a ball, without a ball, without. Without a ball. 
Oh, you know what? I'd say Eric Sabin. Wow. With a ball, with, with a ball, that ball could be anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, but straight, Eric was some serious pace. George, George Moore with the ball, George could do both, but Eric without a ball would probably be, yeah, he was a quick boy. Well, no, I'd love to have seen a race, Eric and Danny. Danny was quick, I'd love to see an into it. The one thing I didn't see actually in training, they were quick boys, but with a ball, George without George doubt, with a ball, Eric without no. Nathan, what have we got next? Oh, this is the one I've been waiting for. Right. You're out on the piss with Barry Fry, Andy King and Martin Allen. Who's the first one to get arrested and who's the last man standing? Oh, what a question that is. <laughs> so we've got Martin, Kingy and Barry Fry. So yep. the f- first one to get arrested would be... Well, last man standing would definitely be Andy King. Definitely Andy King. Andy used to like nights out and stuff. Um, who would get arrested? Martin Allen. <laughs> Martin Allen. Oh, what was the other question? No, First one it. home. That, that was, was it. it, yeah. Bar- Barry, was it. Bar- Bar- remember Barry's older and uh, Barry was older and he, yeah, no, no, definitely Martin, uh, the bit about him, Martin. Definitely get arrested. Have you, what you that would be. Grats, you must have at least one cracking Barry Fry story, though, surely. Um, well, I've seen Barry make grown men cry in the change rooms quite often. Um, he used to, we used to train at this leisure centre, and I remember he called us all in for a meeting. And he, he used to turn up in just a pair of shorts, his belly hanging out, a pair of foot boots on. <laughs> and he, he used to go, fucking hell, boys. Fucking hell. We're going to get kicked out of this place. Apparently, it's too much fucking swearing and too much nudity. Come on, boy. They're like, Dapper, you're the only one who swears and walking around with no top on. <laughs> you know, it's you. <laughs> but he, one, one thing about Barry, every every Thursday, he was to train. And if he called your name, you were going out on loan. And it could be anywhere. It could be Adrian Swiss. could be Worthing. could be Tottenham. You didn't know. If you're going to do a warm-up and you heard, Grats! The fuck you used to go, right, here we go, where am I going? <laughs> um, and every week this would happen, there'd be a player gone on and lane. So um, he, he called me the infamous one time, and it was, I was meant to sign for Barnet on the Thursday. He said, Barnet have come in for you. He said, but I've got no centre forwards, you've got to play for me on Saturday. I said, but we're playing Barnet. He said, I said, how's that going to work? He went, no, deal's all done, deal's all done, don't worry about it, it's all done. <laughs> and um, I went, okay. I said, what if, I'm, what if I play shit, Barry? Is it off? He went, no. All agreed to be fine. All right. And I scored five on that Saturday against Barney. <laughs> so the next, you ain't going anywhere. You ain't going anywhere now. Deal's off. Um, I must say about Barry, he made me play in the game once. I was going to sign for Woking. And he made me play in the game that I shouldn't have played him. And I broke my foot and I was out for 14 months. And this is one thing people don't know about Barry. I was told I might never play the game again because the injury was so bad. He pulled me into the office and he gave me a two-year deal and doubled my money and said to me that, you know, he's never played in that game. It was my fault. Here you go. You've got two years to get yourself fit. No pressure. No worries. And, you know, no other manager's ever done that. And that's how what sort of character he was. That is top you know, That's amazing. It was. Yeah. It was a, um, seriously, I couldn't believe it. You know when you get called into an office thinking, here we go. And it was right here, Gretz, it's a two-year deal. 
You get yourself fit. You don't rush back. I'm going to double your money. Almost, you should never have played in that game. And, uh, re, you know, everyone, there's all these funny stories about Barry, what he was like, but people don't see that side of him. Um, and, and for that, I couldn't praise him enough. That, you know, that was that was some gesture. Yeah, what guy? Yeah. So, Nick, what's the next one? Well, after that goal you scored um, against Swindon for Stevenage, you were pretty much everywhere. What was the weirdest offer you had at that time? Um, see what was good. Picking Miss Stevenage was good. <laughs> um, that was a good night. That was a great night. And funny enough, Twins won it. Um, <laughs> Uh, so that was strange. Uh, yeah, we got we got asked to do all sorts. I remember w- one incident. I was uh, chatting to a girl in the club, getting on, getting on well. I remember she's her saying that she's been asked by the News of the World to sell a story, um, like to sleep with me and sell a story. I said, "Well, as long, I'm a single at the time." I said, "As long as you tell them I'm good, I don't really care what you do." <laughs> um, so that was that was a, that was a strange time. There was all sorts going on in that year. I, I was. I went to more opening. I've gone to an opening of a fridge at a time. Um, we, we, we got taken everywhere. I got sponsored by Mercedes for a year based on that. It was crazy, 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 crazy times. But yeah, picking Miss Stevenage was, was definitely up there. Picking Miss Stevenage. Chris, yeah. what we got next? Have you ever had to cancel a holiday or had a holiday ruined by having to get a move sorted out? Um, no, no, unfortunately I've, um, I've been away and had the phone calls, um, but they were willing to wait a week or two for me to return to sign. So, um, but no, I've never had to say, right, we've got to come back. They were willing to wait, obviously not, not a big enough player to, uh, warrant me flying over and quickly signing. So, uh, that, uh, that, that they could wait two weeks for me. Grats, did, did you ever get a winning racing tip from either Willie Carson or Andy King? Yes, and yes. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> that, well, that, that, um, yeah, we used to go to newbie races quite a lot. And uh, yeah, we used to have some good times. And yeah, they did know a lot of stuff. Kingy was really good with his horses. Um, obviously, we had some bad. Listen, tips are tips. But, you know, you listen to Willie Carson. <clears throat> and to be fair to him, he wasn't one that used to give a lot out. But when he did, you made sure you you know we were all on it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, King. We had. I remember being away. In, we had the Bournemouth for a weekend as a club, and King. He got a tip. He was close to one of the jockeys or trainers, and we got a tip, and it was a good price. And he come in, and the bookies had to close the bookies to go and get the money to pay us. Um, because we had like fifteen of the boys all on the same horse. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> And it, and it didn't have the cash in the bookies to, to pay out. Um, but yeah, no, no, yeah, that's definitely a yes and a yes. Uh, right, we're almost there with you now, Gratz, Nathan. Right. Have you ever met anyone with a more box office smile than Juan Cobian? Yeah, he was the best. Juan was such a gentleman. The nicest man in football. Too nice for football, if I'm honest. Um, he didn't have a bad bone in his body, but um, yeah, no, he was he was a, he was a lovely guy. And I really had a lot of time for him. Again, you know, he didn't get treated well at Swindon. He's one character that I feel bad for, um, but I think it's been mentioned a few times on podcasts. I believe I've heard it a few times. It, like I said, it wasn't it wasn't a great time for Juan, but he um, he's actually he was Manuel from Forty Towers. 
Um, <laughs> and one of one of Colin, was he, I think he was one of Colin Todd's, wasn't he? Was he one of Colin's? He, he was, yeah. He was one of the infamous group that came in under Colin. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I remember. But he, he, like, you know, the League One wasn't for him. You know, he wasn't up for that hustle and bustle. And, you know, he was a footballer. He's used to having time on the ball. You don't get that away at Rochdale and places like that. Um, but, yeah, like, the nicest guy. And I think he's got a big role for Boca Juniors. I think he's like a big ambassador, I believe. Yeah, you're not. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think you're bang on with that, actually, Grats. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he's done. I think it was the. He did a really, really good pod with Rich Pullen uh, on the Low Strangers. And I'm mm. sure. I'm sure they talked about it then. Um, yeah, he's got a big role. Another, another, another player uh, described in, in similar terms. Obviously, Nesta Lorenzo wasn't your time, way before yours, but has just taken over as uh, boss of Colombia now. So. Yeah, there's something, something about um, South American Swindon Town defenders yeah. and, and big jobs. Yeah, I read that. I read that the other week, actually. No. Nick, yeah. Nick, what have we got next? Here's a random one for you. What was bigger, Bobby Howe's ass, razor shorts, <laughs> or Dean Gaffney's teeth? <laughs> uh, razor shorts were massive. <laughs> <laughs> to, be, to be fair, um, and even, we had to get them specially made, didn't we? Did yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they were they were big. Dean Gaffney's teeth are big as well, though. Um, and Bobby Al's arse only got bigger when he didn't play. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I'd, have to, I'd have to say Razor Shorts. They they were they were a big they were big. Although probably a bit tight on me now, though. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, what have we got next? A very strange one. <laughs> what would you rather have to deal with? Have no nose, but have really good smelling fingers, or be blind, <laughs> but have a really nice smile. What kind of question is that? Um, yeah, well, that's, that's no nose. So maybe we could ask you. <laughs> no, no nose, nice smelling fingers, or blind with a nice smile. Yeah. Obviously, uh, oh, well, I nearly lost my eyesight playing football, um, and that was very scary. So I'd have to say I'd rather have no nose. Um, but really good smelling fingers. Smelling fingers, yeah. <laughs> I take that. Well, what although, was although being blind, if you got some... I, I, I played my last ever game and I got I got a whack to the back of the head. Um, and I remember coming home from the match and my, my parents were in, in the house as well and, and being, you know, Italian mum that I've got, straight away. Taking me to the mirror. Let me see. Put the light on. Right, we're going to the hospital. So what? It's when you've called us like nine times in the last fifteen minutes, saying the same stuff over and over again. Oh, you've wow. obviously got concussion, and I thought nothing of it. So I went to the hospital. Yet, yeah, lots, you know, bad concussion. Rest for forty hours, and fortunately, I wear contact lenses, mm. and and I went for a normal contact lens check. Literally about four weeks after, I think it was, and you know, you just sat in the chair and they're looking at you doing your eye test. And you know, and they sat there and they go, hmm, hold on a minute, Mr. Grazioli. Um, David, can you come over and look at this, please? And then you straight away, you're like, uh-oh, that's not great. <laughs> and then, then it's, can you go and get Sandra? Can she have a look? And you're like, oh, fuck. Um, and it literally was like lights on and said, listen, I'm, I'm not happy with what I'm seeing behind your eyes. Have you taken a whack? And I went, well, I did, yeah, about four weeks ago. So well, I'm, I'm not happy with 
the pressure I can see behind the eyes. Um, we need to send you to a consultant. So luckily, I you know private insurance, and I was still playing. So I went to see a, a, a top consultant, and within thirty minutes, he told me that was the end of the career. You know, the risk of the eyesight going because of the pressures behind the eyes would be too much um, to take another whack like I did. And so that was it. That was wow. the end. And how old yeah. were you, guys? I was 34. So I was coming to the end, fortunately, but yeah. it was come to an end. You know, you think you've got things in place and you're ready for retirement. I I wasn't at that stage. And I just had twins as well. So that, that, that put pay to uh, – uh, that was a bit of a, a difficult time for me, should we say? And I suffered yeah. a lot, and uh, yeah, but I'm 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 here to, uh, and I'm, I'm I had a big operation on it. I've got holes lasered in my eyes, and it seems to have done the trick. So, wow. so yeah, I have to say the nose one more than the eye one. Oh, well, I like well, the idea of smelly. I like the idea of smelly fingers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right, we've got your penultimate question, Gratz. Are you ready? Okay, yep. Go on then, Nath. Right, this one comes from Oliver. And he says, Hi, Gratz. Is it true you had to carry around a tub of pseudocreme to help with those rashes <laughs> caused by those dreadful shirts? You know what? Shirts didn't bother me because I never paid much. So I sat on the bench and never had it on. So it didn't used to rub a lot on my, my skin. But the players used to moan about it a lot. They really did. Um, you look back now. I've got some of the kits in in frames, and they're massive. Some of the shirts to to what they're playing now, but that material and some of those kits were weren't very good. But I was, it never really bothered me that much. It, I wasn't on the field long enough to to sweat enough and to irritate me. I think you got out just before the was it the DGI kit? Nick? Yeah, two thousand two. DGI was was the worst one. We tried mm. to make our own kit, didn't we? And it was um. It was the worst material you've ever felt. But you you look back now, some of the kits were terrible, you know, material-wise. They were massive. If it rained, you were in big trouble. You know, I went fast when it wasn't, when it was dry. When it when it was wet and soaked through and trying to run, oh, if it rained, it was quicker than me. Yeah. But even some of those lotto kits like Gratz, back in your, back in your sort of Swindon mm. Town Pomp, even they, they were heavy, weren't they? And there was they were. a big established yeah. brand. Yeah, you know what's funny? Like I said my shirts are in frames. My my kids look at them and go, "Is that really your shirt, Dad? It's massive because it's big. It's really wide to what the kits are now." And, and thankfully, 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 you know, I wasn't around when the kits started getting tighter. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, look, Grats, we're going to round off by asking you this. We ask the same question of everyone to finish off their uh, their silly questions. The Kaiser Chiefs predicted a riot, Grats. What do you predict? I predict uh, a Swindon promotion this season. Yes. (laughs) Right answer. Now, there is a man that knows how to read the room. (laughs) Yeah, I do. I do. In terms of the uh, appointment of the new manager, um, I I did really want Fabrizio, the old assistant to Di if I'm honest, only because I sat alongside them for four games when I was assistant manager at Barnet. We played Swindon four times that year, and I've never ever come across a side so fit and disciplined and knew their jobs as much as that side. You know, you steamrolled teams that year, mm. um, and I'd love to because I believe he was he was part of that as well, the coaching staff, and I think he yeah. embedded that. 
And I think I, I would like yeah. to have seen him in, especially with the rumours of was it Paul Caddis coming in with him as well? Obviously, yeah. another Swindon Town hero. Um, I'd like to have seen that. But just based on my my experience of seeing that team, because they, they were a hard-working team. And, they had, uh, and I, obviously, it nearly crippled the club with the, the finances. But as a team... That that was a that was a strong strong side that really was all round a pitch. I think we've had we've had another season of. I, I guess it, if a lot of the boys whose contracts are up don't resign, then you probably look at it and say we've had another summer of massive upheaval. I mean, you yeah. could argue with the manager going that wasn't really. I don't think anyone saw that coming at the end of last season, boys. No. I mean, if anyone wants to sort of tell me like I'm being unfair on that, but I don't think anyone really saw that coming. And then the last sort of sort of twenty four forty eight hours, the transfer merry go rounds really started kicking in in Swindon. So we've had um, uh, Woolacott's gone today, from what I understand. We've got um, there's rumours about Louis Reed now. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about this in a little bit more detail with um, at the back end of the show. But um, e- equally, there's some new faces popping up as well. We've all got decent pedigree. So um, yeah, it's. Another one of those seasons, Gratz, where I, I think if we'd if we kept the manager and we had a little bit more certainty on the contract front, I'd be saying exactly the same as you. Like, mm. yep, like I'd be predicting promotion this year. But <clears throat> at the end of the day, we're still far too big a club to be stuck 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 down in this division. Yeah, I so, so unfortunately, with with, with Ben Garner, he's a really high thought of coach. <laughs> even even when he was at Rovers, you know, there's a lot of club watching what he was doing. He's highly thought of in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so when he was appointed at Swindon, I thought it was a great signing, um, and that's a shame. You know, these these coaches, you know, obviously Charlton saw what he could do, then and, and his philosophy of football, um, and, and took him on. But um, like I said, maybe because what is embedded in there, you know, you got Scott in there now, who, who who's going to put his own stance on it, like they all say. But I thought he spoke really well in his interview. Um, but they all do when they first get the job; they say the right things. Hopefully, I've just seen the fixtures come out as well today. Um, interesting start, you know. It's, we, we've got we've got to start well, you know. We've got to start well um, to set us up for the season. But what about goals? If you keep the goal scorers in the side, you've got half a chance. I've always yeah. said that. I make I make you right, Grats. And the good news is at the moment it's looking like um, the the young Grazioli's uh, favourite player, McCurdy, still very much going to be part uh, of the uh, fixtures and fittings going into next season. So fingers good. crossed. My kids, my kids, you know, next time I come down to watch the games, I've got to wait outside and meet him because that's all they talk about. That's all they follow. You know, we're Arsenal fans here, but the first result is uh, Swindon Town. And when they see McCurdy scoring, that's it. I think yeah. I said to you off air, mate, when you come down, there'll be none of this waiting around that side. We'll be looking, <laughs> we'll be looking after yeah. you that day, Grats. Yeah. Uh, I, guys, like, like, like I said, I've got all my, my, my nephews and all little Sonny. They go every week. They They love it. So I'll get all the feedback. I get I get calls at five o'clock every Saturday telling me what went on. <laughs> love that. Love you. Love to hear it. Look, Gratz, like those were your silly questions, mate. How was that for you? I loved it. Very good. Really, it's a pleasure <laughs> speaking to you guys, and thank you for the invite. No, you're very welcome, Gratz. We're, um, as I say, sincere offer, mate. We say we say to all the boys that come on, like please, like keep in touch. Uh, we love to have you back on. We're not we're not always um, daft questions. That's just the way of softening you up for the more serious That's stuff. Right. That's all right. Down the line. So um, keep in touch, buddy. I'm sure we'll keep in touch with you as well. Thank you ever so much. No problem. Thank. Good luck, boys. I hope you see you next year. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye.
Well, there we are, boys. Giuliano Grazioli. Nick, you, you, you nailed it. Definitely one of the good ones, right? Nice bloke. Funny guy. Good stories. That's what you want, isn't it? Everything, yeah. every ticks every box. Yeah, he certainly does. Right, well, we'll move on to the uh, the back end of the show, boys. We've got a little bit of any other business, which all went a little bit bonkers today, didn't it? Um, so, clearly, we've had um, League, League 2 fixtures have been announced. Let's start there, shall we? Who wants to kind of get the ball rolling? Are we all, are we all happy away from home? First game of the season, Harrogate away? Uh, I would be if I wasn't working and I could go. Oh, you've had a shocker there, Chris, haven't you? Uh, yeah, that, that's, that was one of the two games. Um, do you know, I've, I've, I've rarely looked at a, a fixture list at the start of the season and been less excited about it than I am this one. <laughs> I agree. 100% it's, it's agree. Just, there's just nothing to get excited about this season. It's, it's, it's very northern. Yeah, I mean, there, there's that. It's just... it's just. Um, I just look at every team and think we should be beating all of them. And I think because I'm still a little bit bitter that we haven't gone up, there's a bit of that going on as well. I mean, it could be it could be a vintage season, right? If we get get the recruitment right and, and everything works out with the new gaff and everything, it could be a good season. We go up and it's brilliant. But at the moment, right now, I'm looking at all those games. Normally, you're looking at, you know, what games are my birthday, what's Boxing Day, News Day. You're looking at different dates and different teams. There's not one opponent I'm looking forward to playing. Um, I'm 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 still grumpy, so it's um it's not an exciting one for me at the moment. Well, my birthday, Juddy. My birthday. I've got to escort the Jills down the M4 to the county ground. So, uh, lucky that's going to be an abs- that's going to be an absolute belter. Yeah, yeah, that would be a good one for, for me. Like the, the two games I I straight away looked at was the two London games because I thought you know a day or two in London it's just a good day out. Yeah, forgetting about the football. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a funny one for me. Like, obviously, being based over in the southeast, I've. I mean, I, I'm quite, you know, me, I'm feeling pretty buoyant about it because I've obviously I've mentioned Gillingham already. Um, I've got Wimbledon, Crawley, Leighton Orient. Um, who else have I got to look forward to? Sutton. Uh, Sutton, just down the road. Stevenage, Colchester, not a million miles away. So for me, being sort of southeast based, it's not too bad. And, and, and certainly, um, you know, being northern based, Chris, and indeed yourself, Max, you you guys are in a pretty good spot, aren't you, for games this year away? Oh, I'm all right as well because I've got obviously missing Harrogate, but then Bradford, Mansfield, Grimsby, Doncaster, uh, Manchester yeah. is an hour from me. Well, yeah, I've got all the Manchester ones that I've got Stockport about 10 minutes down the road from where I live. Salford's the usual one, which is only about half an hour away. So, yeah, it, I, there, there's a lot of there. Uh, there's a lot on there that obviously I know the northern ones don't excite everyone, but like there's a lot of northern ones that I can tick off the list, Stockport included. So it's just one of them. It, 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 I, I get what um, Nathan's saying about some of the names, but whatever the names are, I'm sure we'll all be there. Oh yeah, no, we we certainly will be. Well, we also had, we had another fixture. I know it's not the. Uh the sexiest fixture in the world, but uh, we had Crystal Palace under-21s confirmed in our Papa John's trophy group alongside Rovers and Argyle. Anyone got any thoughts on Palace under-21s apart from the potential reunions with Jake O'Brien? That's, uh, does anyone care anymore, I think, about this trophy? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just, it, it's all right for obviously the, the young kids and players coming up, but aside from that, does it, it, would we miss it if it wasn't there? 
Yeah, well, it's no, just I become think... totally meaningless, hasn't it? That that whole competition. You think back to when we got to the final in 2012, and how good that run was. And you think of like the two legs v Barnet, and now it's just a complete. I mean, it was an afterthought back then, but now it's just it's beyond an afterthought. Yeah, and it's it's the same. It's the you know we get seems we were Rovers and Argyle every season. It's hard to get excited about the return of Jake O'Brien, bless him. But um, yeah, it's 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 not one to get excited about, is it? No, and I mean, okay. So, are we, how are we feeling about the League Cup first round draw, which we've also now got our hands on, and we're going to be away to Warsaw. Disappointing, isn't it? <laughs> we're always away. Every, every, every year, every year, I, I hope, I hope for Reading because you know I, I live there. It's so close, and we never get them. We never get them. When was the last time we were at home in the League Cup? Good question. That's a very good question. The last one I can think is mate is. Um, the the run we had against to Western Villa, but we must have had a home game since then. But I just can't think of one. Didn't we have two at home one year? Oh, I think you might be right. And did we have? Was Burnley that run, or did we have a QPR game? Forest came back. Forest Quick Green, twenty eighteen. Joe saying twenty nineteen. I do not oh, remember God. that game. I think we lost that one 0 if I remember rightly. I think I, I think I was at that one, yeah. Mm. I mean, again, it, I, I was going to pose the question, you know, the, the League Cup, again, do we really care? Do we really, really care? But I think a combination of the League Cup and the Papa Johns, really, that's got to be about sort of bringing on some of these young guns. And I mean, we're going to talk about a couple of young players that we've signed um, in the last couple of days, um, and they're going to need meaningful minutes. But, um, yeah... It's like it's, those cup competitions, uh, it is, you know, until you start getting the rounds under your belt, you know, yeah, really, that's it. surely for us, it's all about it's all about the FA Cup and the league and the uh, league itself, isn't it? Yeah, I think um, especially when you, when you really need to be getting out of the league, like we, we really need to be getting out of that league this year. You can kind of um, put these cup competitions on the backbone, you know, you can see what the importance of a good FA Cup run did last year, but. Again, like you say, you know, you get you can crunch through the earlier rounds, and actually, it, it becomes a bit of a different story. But right now, sort of looking at those games, you kind of think, well, it's not the end of the world if you um if you get knocked out of those, and we just try and get, get on with the job at hand. Uh, yeah. Andrew um, Andrew says Charlton in the uh, behind closed doors season was at home in the League Cup. So that would have been a decent draw this season, wouldn't it? Yes, yeah, I would have very much appreciated that. Well, maybe maybe the football uh, we'll, gods will we'll, we'll give we'll us come... that at some point. Yeah. No, nah, but the the problem with these cups is that a lot of the time you'll get them through, and you either got the league cup's going to be a cheese night anyway, and if you get into further stages of the FA Cup, then you get games postponed, and you've got you'll end up with a mad run in April where you need to get some results, and you you'll play in Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, all through the second half of the season. You just got to think of. If we need to get out of this league, can we afford that? Depending on, I mean, you got. To, I suppose it depends on what we bring into the squad and how much depth we have, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Exactly that. And 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 are we gonna? If you're gonna go with depth, you know, then that's gonna have an impact on quality. Is we just got to be pragmatic about it. The only the only flip side to that is that you know people will continue to tell you this is still the biggest free transfer market in the history of the game. So there is a lot of quality out there that when it comes to, you know, the first whistles kicking off, uh, the first competitive games kicking off, um, there are still going to be a lot of quality footballers out there that haven't got clubs that may just sort of be tempted to just take a punt. 
Um, and what better place to do that than playing in front of five-figure crowds at the county ground? Um, but, no, nah, listen, I mean, for me, the the, the League Cup, the Papa John's are nothing more, nothing less than, than development games this year. Um, I don't mean to sound like a negative Nancy and all that stuff. It's just, I just think it's a reality. I'm just getting sick mm. and tired of League Two football. Um, and we just got to get, get our asses out of this division. Um, yeah. Which, unfortunately, with the help of um, uh, with the help of a certain Mr. Ben Garner, um, quite quite a few of our staff and players seem to be doing at the moment, getting out of this division with the help of South East London. So, yeah, it's sort of the trickle started with, um, uh, obviously, Garner himself going. And then there's been rumours about backroom staff going and Scott Marshall's been confirmed today. But obviously, a couple of days ago, we said goodbye to Manny Egbo. Um, it was one of those where I think it was very easy for us to sort of point the finger and say, yeah, I could see that happening just because of their relationship from Palace. Um, but then, you know, more worryingly, you've had Jojo confirmed today is signing for Charlton, I understand, literally as the show was going live. And then there's been um, links from um, Total Swindon and Ryan Walker saying that Louis Reed is now being strongly linked and he's interested in a move to Charlton. So what what do we make of it all, guys? Because this is supposedly a, supposedly a manager that said that he wasn't going to be raiding his old club. I think I like I I respect Ryan Walker. I think he's a good journalist, but I think he's thrown Reed under the bus a little bit there, because you know that that line he put that you know Reed's interesting in, interested in joining, you know, how how, how would you know? Is, I don't know if he's I don't know who his sources are, but to say that that's what kind of sets off the panic. And I've already seen some replies and some tweets going. Well, you know, if he doesn't want to be here, then you know, I, I think that was is a bit of a harsh line to put in. I think. And it certainly got me off as well. I said in our WhatsApp group that I was disappointed to read that. But I don't know if Ryan Walker's really done read any favours there. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I take your point. Um, it's a bit of a sort of, um, bit of a glib comment to just put out there, isn't it? I mean, I can only speak as somebody that sat with um, sat with Reedy at the sponsors' dinner, met with Reedy at countless occasions uh, across last season. Um, I've never met a more committed, enthusiastic, kind of dedicated advocate for Swindon Town Football Club. And I appreciate that you're always going to say, yeah, he's going to say that. And, he, you know, he's a paid employer. But, you know, speaking to him, um, seeing the real twinkle in his eye, and then he would go on and elaborate as to why he's so settled at Swindon. The fact that the team is kind of built around him. It does play to his strengths. Um, that he's got, There's great solidarity and camaraderie amongst his teammates. Um and fundamentally, for him, he feels that Swindon Town is a big club and he wants to be part of an upward journey. So to, to suddenly, you know, yeah, go from that to I'm interested in a Charlton move off the back of last season where he was a roaring success. Yeah, it's a little bit of a surprise that. I mean, you know, if, if the interest is real and you're Reeds, you're going to contemplate League One football, aren't you? That's just That's just the nature of the beast. You're gonna you're gonna contemplate going up the food chain and, and take your chance, um, but you know as Nate said, who knows what the truth in it? Time will tell. And obviously he's the one, he's the one out of all the players that have gone have been linked. He's the one we don't want to lose, um, and I, I I imagine there'll be a little bit of a, of a a social media meltdown if he does go, um, but you can totally understand why Garner would want to take him. And you could probably understand if he went, um, why he'd go, you know. But um, you got to hope that we can try and keep players like that. I mean, sort of key players like that. I think I was saying earlier, you know, ultimately last year we failed to go up. So 
most of that would make most of our players replaceable because they they failed in the in the task that we had. But you know, key players like him, you want to kind of keep a core and then build build around it. So he would be a loss. There's, there's no there's no denying that if he was to go. Yeah. But if you're losing if you're losing Reed and Payne from midfield, that's a lot to replace. Yeah, um, it is. I mean, you know, you'd you'd like to think that if um, if he was to go, he you know they're not going to let him go lightly. Um, and you could maybe dictate the sort of terms a little bit. And and because there's been a lot of dicking around between us and Charlton this summer, I'd like to think we'd make it really hard for them as well. Because um, they have. They yeah, I was going to say that. Summer. I'd like, I'd really like us to, to sort of try and take him to. The, if they're going to take him, take him to the cleaners over it. But um, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to see Reed still in next season. I'd be really disappointed if he went, and I'd be disappointed. Now, how, here's, a, here's a question for you. Here's a question for you. If they took Reed with cash plus DJ, what, how, what would you say to that? I couldn't see. I'll be honest with you, Nathan. I couldn't see Joe Simi coming down to down to League Two. Um, and I think Jaisimi's probably shown Charlton enough. Whilst he's not set any, set any, you know, setting the world alight there. I think. Um, I mean, I, I I live not a million miles away from sort of Charlton Central, and the general consensus amongst their fans is like, yeah, you know, he's all right. He's he's not the kind of hero that he was at our place. Yeah, I think um, there is possibly you can you know the name I'm about to mention, but I can imagine that there's probably a deal um, to be done um, with Josh Davison. I think that's probably a more um, likely target, and I think you probably stick a valuation at between fifty to hundred grand on his head. Hundred being very toppy, um, and I would I would imagine. See, this is one of the interesting things about transfers is that if if Charlton came to Swindon with and paid the lump sum up front, then obviously we're far more willing to accept a most clubs would be far more willing to accept a smaller fee. Some of the larger fees that you get tend to end up getting paid in instalments. So, um, you know, if they were to come along and, you know, offer us, I would imagine something like 350 to 400,000 pounds and, you know, Josh Davison as a, as a package in our position with a year left on Reedy's contract, that's going to be a bloody hard deal to turn down. Yeah. I guess, I guess a lot of all this depends on, on where Twine goes and how much we get for Twine. Because if you get a decent number for him, then that puts you in a stronger position to replace someone like Reed. I mean, obviously, I imagine they're they're probably preparing for all all these all of these scenarios. We like to think they are, um, but a lot of there's a lot of ifs, buts, and maybes about what's going to be in the kitty. I guess. I mean, if Reed does go for a decent fee, that just does give you a chance to strengthen the team in a number of areas. But just losing Reed or Payne or both does just make this summer a very a very tough one in the market to replace sort of two two key players like that. I mean, everyone else around him, I kind of think is is replaceable, but losing one or both of them is is um, that's a big task. Yeah, I and and I, I'm just going to put it out there now. I don't think we're going to lose Reed, and now and I've probably scuppered it completely. And you know, <laughs> no, you're, you're going to get hit with a massive dose of Hanrahan luck there. But I know I, I genuinely don't believe that we're going to lose Reedy. Um, I think the the general vibe around Payne seems to be along the lines of the club have done everything they can, the kind of balls in his court, um, and I, I hope the the offer is good enough and that he's settled enough in Swindon that you know he's he's willing to sort of drive us you know drive us towards a prom- you know uh, promotion at the end of the season. But um, he's not going to be shy of suitors, is he? Uh, the ball no. off the back of last season and what he's achieved. 
Yeah, well, well you, can, you can see that with um, Reed certainly last season and the games he didn't play, we didn't win any of them or even look like winning any of them. That's just how important he is. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Chris. I mean, if there's if there is somebody that, you know, even though he's got another year left on his deal, it would be a gargantuan signing for us to get him on an extended deal and just improve his terms. And as Nick said, I think a lot comes off the back of what happens with, with Scotty Twine. Um so we keep our fingers crossed on that on that front. But look, let's—I mean, we're talking about departures. Let's uh, let's 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 talk about some incoming, shall we? So, um, interesting news that Matt Bowdery put his uh, his retirement plans to bed uh, for at least another twelve months, and seems to be citing the fact that he's fallen back in love with football. Who's, who's got an opinion on Matt Bowdery? <laughs> well, as long as we get the Bowdery of the last two months of the season, um, then happy days. Uh, yeah, exactly. There is, um, the, the, the big worry with Bowdry is is over the last couple of years is his fitness record. But if, mm. like you say, if he can play like he did the the, the running, and it wasn't just the defensing on there, some of the the way he played on the ground as well. Which, yeah, absolutely. Was, was a bit. Um, that was it. Was you know just I've not seen him do this before. No, you'd have to say the positive of having the continuity of Lindsay around as he knows exactly how to manage him and how to manage his fitness. He would have seen that run he had towards the end of the season. He'll know what to do to get the best out of him. You wouldn't expect him to be starting every week and playing 40-plus games, but he's a good option to have at centre-back. And by all accounts, he's one of the best lads in the dressing room. So I think it's a really good signing, really positive. Yeah, I think it's, it's to start the season with him at the back, you know, you don't know who else is coming in, but to, to know that he's here for the start and the way he finished last year, that's that's decent. Dependable. And, uh, well, the thing the thing that really impressed me about Bowdery was that he, he he didn't end the season playing like playing within himself. Like you you know you know when a player is nursing an injury or you know you know giving it sort of seventy five percent, you could see that Bowdery was leaving absolutely everything out there, and he was dominant in the air. He was fantastic on the ground. You know, it was the it was the complete package. To I mean. You, like you guys, you know, I, when he burst back into the team, it was almost like, well, he's in there now, you know. Okay, how long is it going to take until he breaks down again? And then you're just waiting for, you know, the next disaster to hit him. But he just, it just didn't happen, did it? And he just got better and better and stronger and stronger. And and if you had said, sort of three quarters of the way through our season, that we would be like literally begging Matt Bowdery to sign a twelve month extension. Like, I think anyone would have been asking, like, you know, to give your head a wobble, wouldn't you? Let's be honest about it. Um, so it's quite a renaissance that the guys enjoyed. Um, the, I'll just say that another thing to mention about Baudry there as well, and something we touched on earlier was about um, Conroy's form towards the back end of the season. And largely, that was down down to Baudry, who's um, the, the two of them, the pair of them, were just superb together. And Conroy yeah. was a different player. Yeah, and also Baudry, Baudry probably gets himself. He's brought himself some popularity with his um, his post Vale sort of banter as well, hasn't he? I think he's kind of become a bit of a, almost a bit of a cult, a cult player in not just in the last couple of games and the way he played, but also his his sort of Twitter antics antics since. Yeah, he rattled some cages. It was it was brilliant. Which is kind well, of what some, we needed some... at the time, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, and someone else that's been uh, rattling Port Vale cages that's going to be wearing a Swindon Town shirt is none other than Tyree Shade, ladies and gentlemen. Two-year deal uh, for the ex-Leicester uh, Academy graduate. Spent last season on loan at Warsaw. Um, mixed bag of reviews from them. 
Um, utility player can play down the left-hand side as a left wing-back, can play as a striker, can play down the middle as well. Um, don't know a huge amount about him, although I'm sure I'm not betraying any confident, uh, confidences when I say um, I travelled up to the Warsaw game on the train, um, uh, the uh, 3-0 thumping up at their place, and I was sat with Shade's agent. And he gave me an insight into him as a player. He said that, um, you know, young player, very dynamic, literally bags and bags and bags of ability. Um, back then, they kind of got the impression that his Leicester career was drawing to a close. So we're looking at fresh moves for him. And um, I think they described him as a confidence player, a lad that likes to have an arm around his shoulder. Um, and everything that you hear about Scott Lindsay as a coach says that he is, um, that's one of his key skills. So, so um Quite to my delight, I'm sat there today watching social media and um, there is Shade putting the boot in on our friends from Staffordshire, which was all good fun. Everyone see that? Yeah, I did, yeah. What's he saying? Like that. <laughs> well, well, look at the look, they're all bottling it now. It was bad. no, no, so there's a clip of him like is he is he out in a he's out he's out at a bar or something and someone's saying um he's 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 going up and saying like we all ate the veil or something like that. If I remember it right, because obviously Walsall have their sort of <laughs> their sort of mini rivalry with Port Vale. Yeah, so they were they were having a they were having a little bit of banter. So that te- that tees him up quite nicely for um, joining Swindon Town on the two year deal. But um, yeah, two two years that's a um, yeah, well any anything other than a year these days in low league football seems to be a bit of a bonus. Um, so that's kind of handy, but. Like I say, mixed mix reviews from Warsaw, and it was interesting because um, I immediately put the feelers out amongst um, sort of like the the Swindon Twitterati, and it seems that based on the games against, I appreciate we we gave them a few thumpings last season, but um, yeah, mixed reviews from our end as well. But um, any of you guys know anything more about him other than what I just said? All I've seen is I'm just looking at his stats from last season. He's got. Uh, two two goals in forty six games, played variety of positions, but he was a mainstay in Walsall starting eleven from essentially February onwards. So he he was regularly in the team, playing ninety minutes pretty much every single week. So he's obviously at least grown accustomed to playing football this level, mostly playing mostly playing at left back, or well, I think they were describing him as a wing back. So yeah. sounds like we've got a good utility player on on our hands who. It's probably a comfortable like League Two player, so see how he develops. But I like the, I like the two-year deal as well because it gives us a bit of protection. I yeah. think he signed there as a striker, actually. Um, from from what I've read, um, just from scrolling through Twitter earlier, it sounded like he didn't do too well as a striker playing under uh, Matty Taylor. And then I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think Flynn put him at wing back. And he, you know, started to play a lot better and kind of improved as the season went on, which I think you'd expect from a, a young lad on loan. But I, I, I think we've probably signed him to be a fullback in that kind of Maniagbo, quick and strong type role. Just from what I've seen, yeah, yeah, I think you're probably right. And I have heard some. There's been some rumours going around on socials today about Rob Hunt extended his stay in Wiltshire, and if that's to be the case. Um, Shade on the left-hand side, um, Rob Hunt on the right-hand side. Um, you can't go wrong in that respect. Um, another player that's um, been confirmed to sign in today is young goalkeeper Sol Brin. We did talk about Sol um, on the last show. Um, so if you want to go back over anything that you need to know about Sol Brin, um, do check out our last show. Um, 
but um, all confirmed today. Spent last season in the uh, Scottish second tier, relegated with Queen of the South, I think it was 13-odd games. Um, really highly rated at their end, um, certainly very highly rated at Middlesbrough. That pretty much summarises everything we knew about Sol Brin. Um, one that did come a little bit left field for me, however, was um, 18-year-old striker Oscar Massey, who signed for Swindon Town from Plymouth Argyle. Now, this guy has been painted out as one of those kind of real physical early developers. He was a 13-year-old that was playing football for the Plymouth under-18 side at the age of 13. So, extraordinary. So, obviously, we're not talking about, you know, kiddies football here. We are talking about, you know, professional sort of academy football. So, to be a 13-year-old playing for the under-18s in that respect, that's no small achievement, is it? But what what do we know about the boy Massey, any of you guys? Uh, It's... uh... I think he's, he played. He's played about twenty minutes in a JPT game, even though it's not called it anymore. But you know what I mean. Um, and that—that's yeah. his own. Certainly, that's his only professional experience. Aside from that, he was quite prolific for the uh, their academy, but um, he, he hasn't really had too much of a sniff in the first team. Mm. Yeah, they seem to be surprised. I was reading some comments from um, uh, an article from a, a Plymouth. Uh, newspaper and there's a few players a uh, few fans sorry saying they were kind of surprised they let him go and it was you know this could be the one that comes back to bite us because I think he in his last nine games I think he scored seven goals so he was yeah he was very prolific at youth level but I mean he's clearly been brought in as someone to watch for the future I I doubt we'll see much of him in the first team this season maybe the odd glimpse here or there but yeah it seems the reviews from Plymouth seem very positive yeah, so you kind of envisage him coming in and filling the kind of the Ben House sort of Admiral Musquay kind of role, don't you? But then obviously we've got other we've got other strikers in and around the squad that are already kind of potentially fulfill it, fulfilling that role. So I mean, he's the kind of signing where it makes me look and go, well, if he's coming in as like a first year pro, does that mean that we're going to be immediately shipping him out to Chippenham, or does that mean we're going to be seeing the likes of Harry Parsons going back out on loan? What what are your thoughts? Well, I, I think when he first signed up, one of the first thoughts that I said is, we'll have, we'll have a look at him and then probably give him four to six weeks at chipping him to get accustomed to men's football and then mm. sort of assess where he is. Yeah. Yeah, it makes an awful lot of sense. Well, OK, well, let, let, to sort of like round up the, the incomings, as it were, confirmed incomings, was um, new assistant manager got confirmed today, didn't he, in Jamie Day. So... Um, Joby Day's had a, a very long and interesting coaching and management career and indeed playing career. Started his career um, as an academy graduate at Arsenal. Finished his career at none other than Cray Valley Paper Mills um, and has ended up managing the Bangladesh national team where he was their longest serving manager in history um, and actually had a respectable management record for them as well. What's um, obviously it was... Um, Perhaps not the biggest surprise that Scott Marshall has gone, um, but Jamie Day sort of seems to be a name that's come out of left field. Certainly hasn't got any historic links to the club that I'm aware of. Um, what are our takes on Jamie Day? I think um, him and him and Lindsay were together at Forest Green. Uh, that's I think that's possibly the only time their paths have crossed. Yes, he was the number two at Forest Green 2015 to 2016. So you imagine they would have worked together there. It's just a He's got such a bizarre career going from yeah ma- a few uh, managing a few teams in the conference, being a co- then he goes and yeah coach Gillingham, coach at Barrow, and then on to Bangladesh out of nowhere for, for three or four years. Yeah, 
I think yeah, it's, it's a very listed. I, I don't think it, there's very little to go off other than just looking at the teams he's been at, right? Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's, what, yeah, it's almost like one of the playing careers that looks like a kind of pretty dramatic fall from grace. Um, yeah, Arsenal to Bournemouth and then to Dover to Crawley when Crawley would have been non-league, I believe. Welling, Grays, Eastbourne, Haven't, Waterlooville, Dartford, Welling, Ebbsfleet. So it is that kind of, you know, London-Kent border area. Um, Cray Valley, again, just down the road. Um, but, you know, going back into his sort of time at Arsenal, clearly a career, you know, a young player that had a lot of, there was a lot of high hopes for him. England under 16, under 17, under 18 international. Um, but, um, yeah, manager at Welling, Ebbsfleet, assistant Forest Green, manager at Braintree, manager at Welling, uh, first team coach at Gillingham, assistant manager at Barrow in 2018, and then off to Bangladesh under 23s, and then a full-time manager. So by the time he's departed, so um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one, isn't it? I don't, I haven't heard any media calls today, so I'm guessing it will probably be tomorrow. That those will be expected. Um, but we wish, obviously, Jamie, we wish Jamie all the best, uh, all the best of luck. Um, again, it's it's one of those, isn't it? Sort of scrabbling around to say things about a chap that we don't know an awful lot about. Um, but he's clearly been brought in for a reason, sticking with the, you know, with the mantra of trust the process, etc. Um, he's obviously been brought in for a reason, so he gets our he gets our full back in from the outset. Um, penultimate story for us to cover off just before the end of the show, guys. Um, it's looking now highly unlikely that a Mr. Charles Austin Esquire will be returning to the West Country. Um, Probably a somewhat unsurprising given the fact that obviously we failed to make the jump up to League One um, and a big sort of life-changing move would appear to be uh, on the cards for him. Uh, Brisbane Raw are understood to have um, agreed a deal with Charlie subject to medical uh, terms and it looks like Charlie's going to be heading down to Australia for a period of time. Do you think that that's... Uh, I'll put this to you, Nathan. Do you think that that is curtains for us and Charlie infinitum or do you think that is just merely us seeing the last of him um, f- f- with his playing boots on, and we'll we'll see a bit of Charlie maybe as a coach or a manager further down the line. Well, I do think he wants to come back to Swindon at some point. I, I do. I genuinely believe he wants to, but I, I was well, I was very sceptical when the talk of Charlie Austin came up. Um, I just you know I thought he could probably do a job in League One, but uh, I'd like to see him back. But you think if he goes to Australia, that, I mean, that's a great opportunity. But would, would you want to come back? But maybe, maybe I don't know. I don't know, Charlie. Um, but personally, I'd stay in Australia. <laughs> so maybe in management one day, if he fancies it, I could see him being a good manager. He seems like the, the type of character that would do well. So, yeah, maybe. Well, listen, I mean, from, from my point of view, you know, Charlie's personal circumstances are obviously, the, I think everyone knows that Charlie's got a young family. I think if you're going to look at... Um, you know, a wonderful move in terms of, you know, fantastic weather, fantastic lifestyle. Um, you know, Brisbane's a beautiful place to be. Um, and you haven't got to worry too much about the language uh, barriers, which for some families can be really difficult, particularly if you've got young kids. So he's going to be going out there. No doubt he'll be earning more than what he's on over here. Um, and, you know, why not at the end of the day? Similar to you, Nathan, I, 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 I can envisage him going out there, um, making a really good life for himself. And, you know, why not? Yeah, stay out there, subject to visas and things like that. Why not? Um, but I think, um, yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? it? It kind of, 
it reminds me of when Notts County signed Sol, Sol Campbell, for example. And I think one of the first interviews Sol Campbell gave about dropping all that way down to League Two was it was like he spent, you know, the 90-odd minutes he was on the pitch in Notts County with people just wanting to kick him because he was Sol Campbell. Um, I, I, I often, I've seen a lot of times this season Johnny Williams on the end of that kind of treatment and wonder how many times when I've seen that, is, is it people kicking him just because he's Johnny Williams? So I can envisage it would only be that times ten if it was Charlie Austin. I think he'd give it back better though. I've I've heard um, he's quite nasty on the pitch, so I can imagine he'd probably give as good as he got in that in that regard. Yeah, yeah, I, th- <laughs> I think you're probably right. Um, but um, yeah, I've got a feeling it's just call it just a hunch, but I don't think it's the end of the Charlie Austin Swindon Town story just yet. Um, but we wish him all the all the best in the world. Um, he was a brilliant speaker when he came on the show a few weeks back. Uh, he knows that he's always welcome back on. So hopefully um, we'll get if he does go down to Australia, we'll get him back on to sort of talk us through the what his plans are if he is heading off out there. But albeit well, we'll have him come back on talking about what it's going to be like scoring goals for Swindon Town. But hey, who are we to know? Well, look, the, the final piece of news um, it's sort of good news, but yeah, at the same time sad news as well to just round the show off. There's been a lot of clamour for action being taken by Staffordshire Police and Wiltshire Police following the playoff um, semi-final defeat up in um, uh, up at Vale uh, and the, uh, the the scenes that were witnessed after the match. And um, yeah, it was sort of melancholy news that broke uh, over the last sort of 24 hours that um, there have been three arrests um, up in Staffordshire. Three men have been arrested. I believe it's two. I think it was two teenagers and a thirty-something. Um, linked to offences up, up at their end. So um, I think all, all it goes for me to say in that respect is I just wish um, <clears throat> Staffordshire Police all the best with their investigation. The way that the story seems to have been left is that they're expecting um, more action be taken um, on uh, against um, supporters for the disorder before, during and after the game. Um, was that, I mean, it's, it's not really a surprise, Chris, is it? But, you know, the action's been finally taken. I think... People, people sort of misunderstood the fact that the, the silence, sometimes when there is a police investigation, there is silence because it's a live investigation. They can't talk about it because it's a live investigation. But it seemed that lots of people seem to be pointing fingers and saying, well, that's happening because nothing's happening, if you know what I mean. Yeah, well, like you say, there was, was, was stuff like that. I mean, there's, there's various stuff they need to be going through. CCTV, uh, police body cams, various, various stuff as well, because... And still with that, I mean, obviously there'll be some from the sky cameras as well. But with that many people on there, it's tough to, to be identifying people. And you need to be sure before anything happens. So it's it's a long process. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I, I can't say this for sure, but the offences that they've been arrested on suspicion of are um, uh, wounding with intent, which would perhaps suggest to me that is going to be What's happened? I appreciate there were Swindon fans that were injured in the stands, and I'm not certainly not making light of that. Um, but I would I would imagine probably the lower hanging fruit was the footage from the TV cameras, and there were obviously Swindon players that were assaulted. Um, there were quite clear signs of facial injuries. I think Manny Egbo was probably one of the most obvious ones that went straight on social media with that. Um, but yeah, so we keep we, we keep our eye on that, and obviously as things unfold uh, in the coming weeks, um, we'll be sure to offer comment as and how we can. But um, I think that rounds up our um, any other business. I mean, it's it, you get the impression, gents, do you not, that the next sort of week or two is going to be absolutely jam packed full of news um, coming from the county ground, particularly um, 
uh, hopefully not so much departures, but you get the impression there's going to be a lot of incomings at the county ground over the next sort of 48 hours or so. Yeah, it looks that way, doesn't it? Uh, the, even the um, the admin was, was even sort of hinting that there was more coming tomorrow. So I'd say this is a... Uh... This this is the time, and uh, we're going to see a lot of incomings, hopefully. Yeah, and that's just the sort of permanent and loan signings, right? You've got to think that we're going to get trialists in for, you know, game, games like Melksham and Woking and things like that. So yeah. we'll have to keep our eyes out for what comes in those as well. All right, we certainly will. Well, uh, I mean, we'll draw, we'll draw a line under it tonight, guys. It's been, a, been an absolute pleasure. Um, our thanks to Julio Grazioli, who was an absolute delight. Our thanks to, uh, I think that's Nick's dog, who's <laughs> <It is. laughs> eating a next door neighbour. Yeah. Um, our, uh, my thanks to Chris, my thanks to Nathan, my thanks to Max, um, and my thanks to all of you guys for listening in. Um, uh, as usual, guys, round off by saying the uh, Tom Broadbent Lounge is a Swindon Town uh, fans' Twitter space. The, the views do not reflect those.